Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Sports Central on SEN. And a very good afternoon, folks. Welcome to another edition of Sports Central on Sunday, the 21st of November. Chris Warren in the chair right up until 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, inviting your calls and texts as well. So uh, don't be afraid to get involved with the uh, the program. This is your one-stop shop uh, for sports news and opinion and uh, plenty of talk back as well, we hope. The show where uh, you get to have your say, whether we agree with it or not. That's not the point. It's all about opinion. Um, as always, an open invitation for you to be part of the show. That open line number, there is space there now. Um, there will be space too right across the next few hours. one three hundred. 011170 or you can join the conversation via text 0457 736 736 well cricket australia admits it got it wrong hey endorsing tim payne as the aussie captain uh, having knowledge of the texting scandal that he was in embroiled in the chairman of cricket australia richard freudenstein yesterday yesterday afternoon says that payne would not have survived as test captain had the incident been investigated under the sport's current administration. So I guess what that does, uh, it absolves the current administration of any wrongdoing. I guess um, it was under previous management. Uh, the incident uh, was, of course, the centre of um, a Cricket Australia and a Cricket Tasmania investigation before Tim Payne was able to stay on in the highest profile role in Aussie sport. But the uh, Cricket Australia boss yesterday afternoon pretty much admitted that he and uh, CEO Nick Hockley would have acted differently, that Tim Payne should have been axed as skipper about three years ago. So that will roll on. We'll talk more about that uh, today. Um, It's a huge issue in Australian sport. We delved right into it yesterday as well. And again, I'll ask you the question out there. Maybe you weren't listening yesterday, but uh, do you think Tim Payne should remain in the team for the first Ashes test? I see that Shane Warne thinks it's time to move on from, from Tim Payne. Not just because of this, um, uh, but also maybe form-wise, there might be other uh, better candidates to bat at number seven and and uh, to wear the keeping gloves as well. He's saying he thinks that Matty Wade, uh, Josh Inglis or Alex Carey uh, could come in and keep. And um, I, I've got to say, I find it very hard to imagine um, how, if selected, Tim Payne will be able to shut all this out and focus on keeping well and scoring runs in that first Ashes test. Um, as I say, if selected, um, and keep in mind he hasn't played since April, I guess uh, I guess he'll be given a chance to get his eye in in the warm-up games. But, or does the governing body just say, look, um, just take a break for a while, Tim, uh, while the dust settles? I see there are, are many, uh, including um, you know, uh, the likes of SEN's own Darren Chuck Berry that think Payne... Uh, should be retained as wicketkeeper and number seven batsman. Well, Warney's on a different uh, a wavelength there. Um, without the captaincy to worry about, um, Darren Berry was saying that, you know, um, he's also got an idea for a future um, captain, a left field option too. Um, and perhaps not for this Ashes series, but perhaps next year, Chuck Berry thinks Mitch Marsh 
uh, could be worth looking at down the track as a future captain. Warning, though, he, he says, Pat Cummins, he's your man. He's your man and go with it. Yeah, and these guys know a whole lot more about bloody cricket than I do. But I just, um, I just think that I think it's a bit difficult for a fast bowler to be also burdened with the captaincy. I just think they've got enough on their plate. Different for a spin bowler. Um, he's a left field one. What about Nathan Lyon? You know, he, he's a lock, isn't he? You've got to have someone that's a walk-up starter in the first place. Um, anyway, we can have that. So you have your thoughts on that as well. Um, get involved uh, with the show. We can talk all about that uh, cricket and a whole lot more. Uh, the Bulldogs, well, they're in, in the firing line at the moment, aren't they? Uh, Viliami Kikau, um, we've you know, spoken about this yesterday at length as well, but the the Panthers fans are fuming. Viliami Kikau is fuming as well that the Bulldogs somehow had that picture of of him posing in a Canterbury um, Canterbury colours, Canterbury official clothing, um, was leaked right on the day that they were celebrating uh, their, their 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 premiership. So yesterday, that's a, I guess in a way, Canterbury sort of rained on the Panthers parade. Uh, you might uh, have your say on that as well. Um, and and to be fair, I do see Gus and company. They have apologised. They said it was a glitch. A security camera somehow took the photo and it was released somehow. Um, maybe it shouldn't have been taken in the first place. It's an issue in the game that we need to talk about. Michael Carianis of the Daily and Sunday Telegraph, he's going to join us on the line uh, pretty shortly, in fact, to talk about all of that. Um, Fox Sports reporter too, KDK, he was out there at Penrith yesterday. He's going to jump on the line. Busy, busy show. Simon Hill, we'll talk to him this hour too. Heaps of soccer around and the A-League derby last night. Um, it finished in a goalless draw. Other results um, last night. Melbourne City, uh, obviously it began its uh, league title defence in style, beating Brisbane war, Raw 2-1. That was on Friday night, but one all in last night's uh, Sydney derby. Uh, last year's uh, A-League Wooden Spooners, Melbourne Victory, they're off to a winning start, beating Western United 1-0. And then over in Perth, the late game last night, it was one all uh, between Perth Glory and and Adelaide United. As I say, we'll talk to Simon Hill. Some big results too in the uh, English Premier League overnight. Another loss for Manchester United. A heavy loss as well. Um, that's heaping more pressure on their uh, manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We'll talk to Simon Hill about that. And would you believe, today marks 12 months exactly until the start of the Football FIFA World Cup. Um, our boys, the Socceroos, and I read today, uh, you know, if they win their remaining four games, if they win them, um, they'll automatically qualify. But uh, will they be able to win all four games? Still going to play Saudi Arabia and Japan as well. We'll talk to Simon, maybe uh, we'll touch on that briefly as well. The Wallabies, uh, 0-3 on their spring or European tour over there. Um, lost to England last week before that, Scotland. And poor old Wallabies, they went down on the bell. 29-28 to Wales in Cardiff. We were down, to be fair, to 13 men at one stage. One player red carded, another yellow. And uh, the Welsh, they kicked, a, I think it was a penalty goal in the 82nd minute. Um, we can't take a trick. Beaten 29-28. Supercars, we can talk a bit of motorsport as well. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen has one hand on the V8 Supercars Championship after beating fellow Red Bull Ampole driver Jamie Wincup. That was yesterday in race 29 at Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park. Now, Van Gisbergen, um, he leads the championship by 349 points. So what that means is he can fish officially uh, wrap up the Supercars Championship today. Um, 
if he ends today with 300 or more points, well, it's his before Bathurst. So we'll keep you across that as well. Talk a bit of boxing as well. Huge world title fight in Vegas later on today. Terence Crawford gets the chance to silence his critics uh, when he puts an unbeaten record and his WBO welterweight crown on the line against dangerous Sean Porter. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, former world champ Billy Dibb. He'll join us on the show as well. In tennis too, a bit of an upset. I see um, Alexander Zverev has beaten Novak Djokovic in Turin to march through to the final. Um, so we might talk a bit of tennis as well. Lots for us to get involved with. Lots for us uh, to talk about. Obviously, cricket is probably uh, the main topic of the afternoon. Uh, but whatever you want to talk about, well, here we are. Here we are for the next four hours, okay? So let's fire up that text line. If you're still in bed, shame on you. Uh, Roll out of bed, dust yourself off, and uh, get involved. This is Sports Central, and I'm Chris Warren. In the chair until 4 o'clock. Yes, indeedy. Well, how time flies, hey? It seems like uh, we were here almost... uh well, it would have been less than 24 hours ago. Uh, so those that joined us yesterday, uh, you'll know how this show runs. We pretty much see to the pants sort of stuff. We are pretty laid back, relaxed. Um, Justice of the Peace, JP, he's in here. He's on day two pushing the buttons on the panel. So if things go tits up, uh, it's his fault, not mine. Okay. He went out to the uh, the A-League derby last night to see the Wanderers and Sydney FC. No goals scored. Now I haven't. I've seen some highlights of that match. Uh, JP, was it uh, was it good out there? Was it a big crowd? Take us through it. Twenty three thousand out there at Bank West. That's a full house, isn't it? I would close to it. Close to it. Um, crowd was atmosphere. Both Coves and RBBs making tons of noise. Um, and you've been a, a Sydney FC member for what a decade? A decade now, yeah. And um, before you even started shaving, almost. That sounds a bit right, yeah. Mm. How'd you how'd you get involved with the Sky Blues? Oh, I think I just joined on the bandwagon of Alexandra Del Piero and that sort of oh, got it was me, around them, was it? Got me into the game. Plus, as well, too, you know, you've got the Western Sydney Wanderers yeah. as well in their 10th season jumping in. But, yeah, the crowd last night of, of um, 23,000, you just couldn't beat it. It was just absolutely... And sick. what about the game itself? So no goals, um, you know, and I enjoy football, but I'm not a football tragic. So a game with no goals can, can still be entertaining. It was entertaining last night, I believe. Like both the cha- teams had their chances last night. Of course, Jack Wad- Rodwell had his chance just late in the game, but Maxi Burgess had a, an also a cracking strike just twenty five yards outside of the box with mm-hmm. a killer strike. But um, yeah, both the teams had a clean sheet. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like both teams sort of had controls of the game. It's like the tales of rugby. Okay. Did, did did you without jumping on interrupting there? Sorry. Did you walk out of Parramatta Stadium or Combank Stadium last night? feeling like, gee, I'm glad I went and I got my money's worth? Or do you think, uh, yeah, well, no. I would say this. I wish it wasn't like the opening round of the season, if you know what I'm saying. You want sort of those two teams mm-hmm. to probably play two or three games in before it's sort of facing each other. But I can understand from an A-League You enjoyed yourself. Yeah. I, I will say this. It's just good to be out of home, if you know what I'm saying, yeah. after the... the the last two years that we've had. What are you saying? You don't like being stuck in this studio with me? No, COVID. Four hours. No, no oh, COVID, right. COVID. Yeah, it's... This is your home here, brother. This is your home, <laughs> right? Because um, I need your help. I really do. <laughs> now, uh, what was the, what was the, the whole experience like? It, it, it's a good stadium, isn't it, it to is, watch footy? Hey, the, where you, were you? I was on the, um, you know, I think the old Kings... No, I'm not say. On West. the Church Street side of the entrance. So we yeah. were entrance side. Yeah, yeah, sat yeah. At, 
204 aisles, so second aisle probably 20, 15 rows. From doesn't matter back. where you sit there, no, does it? You've got a good... No, no bad seat. Yeah. And as well, too, what I like is, like, I had the screen. Let's just, oh, yeah, screen was just right there, so I wasn't missing out as much. Well, that'd be good for me. If yeah. you, like, you know, challenged, visually challenged, because <laughs> I'm stuffed without my glasses on. I could just go to the game and just watch it. That's the thing. Does anyone ever go to the games, whether football or rugby league or, or cricket? So you go to the game, but you actually spend more time watching it on the big screen. I'll throw that out there to our listeners too. Does, you're putting your hand up. You, you often do that? I also bring a pocket radio. Right. Yeah. You're, you're like an old man in a little young body. <laughs> no, because... Isn't that what the old fogies like me do? Yeah, well, but not even me. Older than me. They got, what, the transistor wireless? Yes. Good on you. Because the funny thing is when I... And hear, you listen to the commentary. Yeah, when fans here don't know what's going on, I sort of, I need to know what's going on. So what, you were listening to Adam Peacock last night on yes, SEM? Yes, I was, yeah. Just to confirm who's got the ball yes. and because you think you know it, but yes. then you might not. No. and That's fine. So what percentage do you reckon of fans that go to spectator sport, like, okay, NRL or A-League, what percentage of fans, and come on, listeners, weigh in, help me out here, because i got no idea. Mums and dads, boys and girls, grandpa, grandma sitting in the stand, what percentage actually have um, earphones in or a wireless radio or, or are listening to commentary through whatever device? I wonder how many. I would say very few. Very, Maybe I'm wrong. No, not very few, Chris. I go to a lot of rugby league games at Stadium Australia. And I and you listen to the commentary then? I listen to the commentary there as well too. Just because it, I just sort of, I don't, yeah. how do you call it? I just sort of get myself distracted. It helps me focus as well too, watching the game as well too. It's like, mm. so this, oh, it goes round into well, the short That's interesting. I, I, let me know. You guys, uh, send through some text messages. I want to know, do you, A, spend a lot of time when you're at the great, when you go to the stadium, right? So you've shelled out your hard-earned or membership season ticket. You go there, but you probably are watching it more on the big screen. Or do you also go there and do you have live commentary coming into your ears? Let me know. like to know. Match day experiences. Because I've got to be honest, like, okay, I went to – Game after game after game. Wouldn't have missed a game uh, when I was young and, 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 and that. then I started playing. So, obviously, as a spectator, I probably haven't been to a rugby league game as a spectator mm-hmm. for decades. Mm-hmm. But I've been, obviously, I was playing and then in the media. So, I go there to work. Um, so, you sort of probably lose um, a bit of perspective on what, what the spectators what the trends are. Mm. Let us know. Let us know how you can, you consume your live sport, whether it be cricket, rugby league, footy, whatever. We're going to talk to Simon Hill a bit later on. Uh, we'll talk about the A-League matches last night, all three of them. Uh, we'll also talk about what happened in the Premier League um, last night. And as I said earlier, it's 12 months to the day today. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny date today too, isn't it? 21, 11 and 21. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm. 12 months to the day to the start of the Football World Cup. And we're a little bit uh, precariously precarious. Yes, poised. precarious is the right word, isn't yes, it? It's a good word, isn't it's it? It's teething. Like you've got teetering. You, teet- well, they, they should have really beaten China, but when you've got to mm. face Saudi Arabia from mm. right away, then you've got to face Japan here. It's like they're mm. not they're not easy three pointers for the Socceroos, Chris. It's going to be a tough one. It is all right. Well, we'll talk to Simon uh, about that as well. Now, the cricket scandal, saga, fiasco, drama, whatever um, adjective you want to uh, use to describe it. I've got a text here, morning, gents. Uh, it's from Dasher from Matraville. Uh, read the Tim Payne incident. Why is it even being discussed? If Cricket Australia investigated it, 
and decided no case to answer four years ago. So why are we discussing it? Well, mate, it's a good point you raise, and I think that's what a lot of us were thinking. Now, as of last night, and we might play a little bit of it later on, the Cricket Australia boss has basically said, look, we got it wrong. We should not. We should have got rid of him as, as captain when we uh, realised all the details of what happened. That might explain it more. There is also an article in today's Daily Telegraph. It's written by Sam Landsberger. I'm going to read that through a little bit later as well. Uh, So stick around for that, Dasher. And this also will explain why, um, even though there was an investigation four years ago, even though Cricket Australia said, uh, move on, nothing to see here, well, they didn't have all the details. They did not have all the sorted details, all right? So that might help explain it as well. Now, we're going to take a short break. Um... And when we return, we're going to talk to Michael Karianis of the Daily Telegraph uh, about all matters um, rugby league. I read an article in the Telegraph today before we go to the break, and I'll just share this with you if, if, I, if I can. Written by uh, Michael Karianis' colleague, David Riccio. This is about the Kikau incident, Canterbury and Penrith. Riccio says this, Imagine what Nick Politis would do if Roosters coach Trent Robinson pulled on a Cowboys cap because he was headed to Townsville in 15 months' time. Imagine if Ray Hadley began spruiking SEN Radio, that's us, because he decided that he was leaving 2GB to join the all-sports station in March 2023. Imagine if NRL CEO Andrew Abdul told Peter Volandis that he would see out the final year of his 2022 contract, but after that, he was off to the ARU or the AFL. The response would be rightfully obvious from the Godfather. See you never. The NRL has an issue that needs to be corrected, and I agree with this, written by David Riccio. I'll ask Michael Karianis after the break. And the leaked photo of Penrith forward Viliami Kikau wearing a Canterbury polo shirt should become the poster for change. Players signing for a rival club with a full season still to play on their current club contract is in stark contrast to the NRL's entire ethos. The game either needs to return to a June 30 deadline, create a November transfer window where everyone, including fans, understands deals and moves can be done, or the player is made to leave the club immediately, which could then lead to the player thinking twice about his exit. It's a topic we need to discuss, and we'll do that next with Michael Karianis. This is Sports Central. This is Sports Central on SEN. 22 past 12. Great to have your company this... Uh, oh, what is it? Awful. Isn't it an awful day, an awful Sunday? It's the sort of day where you probably just don't even want to get out of bed. You probably just stay in bed with your slippers on or Ugg boots, and uh, it's the type of day you have some nice pot of tea brewing and maybe some... Crumpets with honey or something like that. I don't know. I'm getting carried away, aren't I? Joining us on the line, and uh, again, I'm interrupting his Sunday. He may well have his slippers um, and uh, dressing gown on as well. Michael Karianis from the Daily Telegraph. Michael, how are you? Yeah, good, Chris. Yeah, lucky this is only a, a phone call, not a video <laughs> chat. What about you guys, though, through Zoom? And we'll talk footy in a moment. What about all you rugby league journos and that through Zoom, through COVID? Uh, with all the Zoom stuff working from home. Like, did you ever feel the need to sort of pull on a tie and look a bit respectable or, or, or not? 
No, don't be silly. I don't, I don't put on a tie in my day, in my usual day to day. Why would I do one during COVID? No, well, that's probably why you and I both are, are in the media because uh, I don't yeah. like wearing suits and ties. Yeah, yeah, it's good. not for me. Mate, let's get straight into it. And, you know, um, not, the, not the elephant in the room, but, like, the big story is this whole Viliami Kickhouse stuff. And, and I see that Gus from Canterbury has you know, apologised, saying, look, it was never intended for that photo to get out there. Uh, but I guess with the situation that we've got now with, with no transfer window and the way things are being done, this is something that we might have to get used to unless there is some sort of change. I would ask the question, well, really, why did you need to take the photo in the first place? Yeah, look, it's. I, I don't know how often we're going to see it because there's no doubt that everyone gets irked when uh, a player is paraded. And, and this, mm. this didn't happen, right? Kickout wasn't paraded no. in the Canterbury Polo. It wasn't supposed to get out. It would have been something they would have kept for when, uh, you know, they announced or when he officially became Bulldog. I guess they would have got that that photo out there, um, you know, at, at the when Penrith's commitments ended at the back of next year. But yeah, it's not a great look. Um, Canterbury investigating how that photo came out. There's a suggestion that it was taken off the security cam footage inside the Leafs club. So there's mm. going to be some some potential drama there as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not a great look. But I I just don't know what. The, the answer is people talk of a transfer window. We, all, we obviously had June 30 for a long time, which was a joke. Everyone, I think everyone mm. can agree that that was a joke. So I'm just not as sure what the, the, the great solution is in, in terms of trying to fix it all up. Yeah, I, look, and I, I don't want to throw stones either. Unless you've got an answer or a solution to the problem, you can't be too critical, can you? But it's not a, it's not a good look. I feel a bit for Penrith fans. So they've had their their parade yesterday and um, this has really sort of sidetracked their celebrations. Although I don't think they would have really let this sidetrack their celebrations. Do you, were you out there yesterday? No, no, no. no I wasn't out mm. there, but the, Penrith have been aware that they weren't going to keep kick out. I, 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 that's not a surprise to them. They just didn't no. have the money to compete uh, with the offers. Uh, and Canterbury and, and Penrith had, had basically made a, an agreement not to say anything until the, Grand final uh, celebrations were, were out of the way on, on Saturday. The deal was only agreed to on Thursday or Friday, but we sort of got wind of it. And um, so, you know, even speaking with Canterbury officials on, on Friday, they, they just didn't want to say anything about it because they wanted to give the Panthers the respect that they deserve to, to try and have that, that celebration on, on, um, on Saturday. But, you know, the cat mm. came out of the bag, I guess. With Penrith, and this happens, doesn't it, uh, with the salary cap, uh, the, the you get more and more pressure placed on you when you are successful and naturally players' prices go up. Uh, so you are squeezed out of the market with a few players. So they've they've had a handful of players leaving and, and already left to other clubs. Do you see that sort of drain of talent continuing over the next uh, year or two? Yeah, it's interesting. They've already lost a, a heap of players from that grand final winning side already. You know, they've got another 12 months out of kick out, but, uh, you know, uh, there's already, you know, Matt Burden and Capewell and Momorowski are all mm. gone. Um, you know, I think they'll lose Api Korosau at the end of next year as well. He's got 12 months to go on his contract. So, you know, that's five or six out of the premiership went inside, already mm. gone within the space of two years. Dylan Edwards is off contract, uh, but I think you'll see that, that he remains at the Panthers. And um, that, that's part of it. Penrith have lost players for, for a while now. It comes with 
success and, and, and a nursery of, of juniors, they won't be able to keep them more. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the players are leaving for bigger paydays. They're not leaving because they're unhappy. It's because, mm. you know, they're all signing the richest contracts of their careers. Yeah, and Trent Barrett came out uh, today or yesterday and, and said, look, I, I haven't got a problem with Billy Army. He'd be mad if he didn't go and take the money that was on offer at Canterbury. So he's got the coach's blessing. I guess we just don't like, you know, as a, as a Panthers fan, not me, but a Panthers fan, now they've got to, you know, watch Billy Army. The, I guess the concern is, is he going to give it his best over the next 12 months? I'm sure he'll try to. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's an issue there. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the players are paid to, to play and, and, you know, they'll forget about it all when it's on the field of it. On the flip side, you look at Canterbury, well, they'll be watching kick out with some hope and uh, excitement th- throughout the year, even if he does play well against them throughout the regular season. And then for the West Tigers, a club that hasn't had much hope in the last couple of years, well, They've signed Papa Lee here from, from Parramatta, so each time they watch him play and he performs well, well, mm. it adds a, a bit of excitement for, for them as well. So there's, there's a flip side to it, and it happens to every side. You know, they'll lose players 12 months out, they'll attract players 12 months out, and um, it's just the system we've got at the moment. Over in the UK, you know, when uh, Super League clubs might loan a player in and out to another club, they have uh, and they have a Challenge Cup. Um, you know, the, the midweek or the, the other competition, the knockout competition, you have players in their cup tied. They, the, the, if they've loaned from another club, you, they can't play for you against them. I'm wondering if that might yeah. be, you know, if you've signed with a club, you know, just to appease the fans a bit, you can't play against that, that rival um, until you join them. Maybe that's, I don't know, I'm just thinking. We, we do see a little bit of that when a, when a guy moves mid-year generally, though, because they still mm. have been paid by their club at the moment. Kickout's still... Yeah. Contracted to the Panthers for another twelve months, so uh, he hasn't he hasn't broken his contract. And you know, for for a guy, if if he had to get a release from his deal, then maybe you you, you mm. could argue something like that. But it, it's pretty hard to police um, unless the player breaks a contract. Well, the photo is out there. However, it got out there, and uh, I'm not sure what size shoe Gus Gould wears, but I think that boot might be planted up the backside of someone. Um, uh, whoever did, if they find who leaked that uh, that photo, because it has caused a um, a fair few dramas. What's happening at Newcastle, Michael? Um, uh, Kalen Ponga, we know that he's being heavily targeted by Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins. Um, where do you see that ending? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. Now, you speak to Newcastle officials, they're not too concerned. They think Kalen's going to be there for mm. the next couple of years. He's got a option in his favour for 23 and 24 and it's a complicated option regarding premierships and uh, the like so if they win a comp he's basically a, a free agent um, and then Kalen has an opportunity to, to get out before you know the end of the season like the end of 23 if he wants to for 24 so there's all these sort of clauses in that contract and, and there's no doubt Redcliffe have identified him as one of their main targets and they'll be throwing big mm. money we're talking to make him the highest paid player in, in the competition and to be coached by Wayne, but I'm not sure if that's what he wants to do. He, he took a risk of going to Newcastle all these years ago, and does he want to take another risk? Uh, he's very well paid at Newcastle. Uh, mm. we're, we're talking, you know, he'd be the top five played players in the game at the moment, so it won't be a monetary thing if Kalen does leave. Mm. And Brandon Smith, another player who's being heavily targeted by the Dolphins, what do you see his future over the next uh, 12 to 24 months? Well, I don't see him at the storm. I, I, no. I think he, he won't be at Melbourne. So no. it, it comes down to a you know the Gold Coast of uh, uh, you know really in the mix, Redcliffe and the Roosters. So I think it'll, it'll be down to, to those three to try and uh, mm. sign Brandon Smith. 
And Parramatta, they've been, and, and Eels fans, get in touch with me too, 0457 736 736. Uh, Parramatta have been criticised, I guess, for sort of dragging their heels with some of their signings. But uh, um, eventually they have got their captain, King Gutho. He signed on for another three years, I, I, I think it is. But uh, they have lost a couple of couple of good forwards. Yeah, and as I popular here, Murata and Eokora, two back rollers, which will leave the club on massive deals. We're talking, you know, six six hundred and, mm. and fifty thousand dollars for for those guys. Murata with the Warriors and Papale here with the Tigers. But um, yeah, the Penrith, uh, Parramatta have been rightly criticised for allowing it to, to get to this situation. Why they've been so slow and uh, so risk adverse in, in, in some of their decisions has uh, meant that they've had all these players off contract come November one with a new franchise in, in the competition. But, you know, if they get to the point where they only lose Papa Lee and Murata, then, you know, they've probably done a good job because, uh, you know, the Parramatta limited their offer on them. I don't Parramatta got to about 550 with, with Papa Lee here. And, mm. you know, that's serious cash for a guy that's on less than 200 at the moment. Mm. Mate, I appreciate Michael jumping on the line. I, I don't want to keep you for long because I know you've got a Sunday afternoon to enjoy. So you go back and slip on those moccasins and pull on that uh, dressing gown and uh, rock back in that rocking chair and think up your next story for the Daily Telegraph. Jeez, I'm not that old. Thank you, mate. <laughs> All right, mate. Appreciate it. Good on you, Mike. Cheers. There he is, Michael Karianis and uh, really good rugby league journo. And thank you to him for taking time out to join us here on Sports Central. SEN, it's coming up to uh, 27 minutes to one. I'll take a quick break now. When we return, we're going to talk football with Simon Hill. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Ball in near post. The header and Miranda, the new man from Portugal, at the back has given Tony Popovich's side the lead with just 15 minutes left to play. Halloran, we go past Ota. Recovered initially, but then lost his foot. Yeah, and Adelaide opened their account in this new season. A delightful setup in the end, and it's the young 22-year-old Cassini Yingi. Back onto it. Perth will win it here. Fornaroli with the turn. He's got Keogh to the left. He'll fire himself. Bet it was a belter of a goal. I don't know if you've seen that from Bruno Fornaroli. That ended one all draw between uh, Perth Glory and Adelaide United. That was the late game last night. And earlier on, Melbourne victory. Last year's Wooden Spooners off to a winning start. They defeated Western United 1 0. And the big one, certainly as far as we're concerned here in the Harbour City, was the Sydney Derby between Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC. It finished in a goalless draw. And to open the new season on Friday night, Melbourne City 2. Defeated Brisbane, Raw 1. Calling all the action last night for Channel 10 and Paramount Plus, uh, the voice of football in this country. Simon Hill, mate, thanks for taking a bit of time out on a Sunday afternoon to talk to little old me. No problem, Chris. Anything for you, my friend. <laughs> and and our listeners as well, mate. Last night, then, let's just go back to that. No goals scored. Um, entertaining game or not? Yeah, look, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was intense. Um, it was tight. Obviously, we would have liked a goal or two, but it didn't happen. Um, partly, the reason for that was uh, two very good goalkeeping performances, mm. Thomas Mahia for the Wanderers and Andrew Redmayne, both of whom uh, made very good saves. Um, but uh, it's early in the season, mm. and I think, you know, at the end of it all, uh, both teams had their, their chances, had their moments, had their periods. 
in control and, and a point was probably fair enough for both. Mm. Mariners, um, um, not the Wanderers rather, they have re- recruited pretty strongly under uh, Carl Robinson. Jack Rodwell, I didn't think he was going to play, but he did. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that as well, to be honest. I, I wasn't sure where his fitness was at and, uh, you know, obviously was never going to start the game. Um, but I thought his contribution in the final uh, 10 or so minutes underlined his quality, which has never really been in question. Uh, I remember watching him at Manchester City uh, and, you know, the, the few glimpses we had of his abilities there mm. uh, showed that he was a top player. But the problem with Jack was always his body, that it's... It, it broke down too quickly and he struggled to get consecutive games in. Uh, now, whether that's going to be uh, the case at Wanderers or not, I don't know. Uh, it's a different style of football, obviously. It's a different country, mm. different medical support as well. Uh, if they can get him right and keep him right, he will be a, a big acquisition for them because, as he showed in that little cameo last night, he can play. And, you know, he, he had one long-range effort, well saved by Andrew Redmayne. A couple of minutes later... I think it was only the rustiness of his touch. He wanted mm. to you know, have one touch to bring the ball down. It really, he should have scored from that. And, uh, I mean, as I said during the call last night, well, that really would have been a story. I, I guess it's now up to the Wanderers and, and Carl Robinson, how they use him. You know, they might use him as a, yeah. a sparingly or impact player. I, I don't know. Uh, Tony Popper. Well, in, in yeah. all honesty, Chris, I, yeah. I, think if he's, I think if he's fit, yeah. uh, you know, and, and in form, I think he'll start. Got to because start. Mm. He, he is quality. Um, it's just that big question mark over, over his fitness. He hasn't, I think he's played 21 minutes mm. in the last 12 months. So, you know, it's going to take while, uh, a while to get uh, uh, back up to scratch. But if he is fit yeah. and they can keep him fit, he'll be a starter because he's quality. Yeah, no doubt about what he can do. Um, Tony Popovich then off to a winning start at his new club, uh, Melbourne Victory. You probably wouldn't have been able to um, see much of this because you were calling at uh, Combank Stadium, but you've probably seen highlights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen the highlights and uh, no great surprise that, um, you know, Popper's first game, they, they win 1-0 away from home. Uh, Popper has always uh, set his teams up uh, to be difficult to score against and difficult to beat. And, uh, you know, while the victory fans uh, will, will uh, prefer a, a more expansive type of game, mm. I think where they finished last year, which was obviously, you know, bottom of the entire league for the first time in their history, they will understand that they've got to go back to basics to start off with. And uh, that's a very good, very solid start for victory. Roderick Miranda, their Portuguese imports, uh, getting all three points for them. So uh, I expect victory to challenge for silverware this season. Tony Popovich will not have it any other way. Just looking at some of these clubs, I think he's coached at more clubs than he hasn't coached at Popper in the A-League. So another of his, <laughs> another of his former clubs, Perth Glory. So uh, Fornaroli, that goal there, the equaliser, it was a screamer, wasn't it? Yeah, cracking goal. Early contender for goal of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Probably won't win it, but um, it, it was a terrific strike. Uh, again, another game that sort of ebbed and flowed. Massive crowd, over 17,000, which I think is their A-League record, uh, Perth Glory. Uh, obviously, a lot drawn uh, by the, the appearance of Daniel Sturridge, who came yep. late off the bench again, similar to Jack Rodwell. You know, he's not quite up to scratch yet. He spent two weeks in quarantine, which I don't think he enjoyed very much. Uh, so he's going to need a few weeks to get uh, physically right. Uh, but it, again, it just shows, you know, if you could sprinkle a little bit of magic dust uh, along with the local players, the public are out there and they will turn up. So um, Adelaide can perhaps feel a little bit uh, disappointed they didn't take more of the chances that they had. Uh, Perth will feel they had an opportunity to get all three points. Anthony Burke-Gilroy with a goal that was disallowed by VAR. Uh, overall, uh, another pretty good game, good advert for the league. 
And, uh, yeah, great to see 17,000-plus in attendance to watch it. Yeah, that's a great crowd. I think that, that's probably capacity there or very, very near to it. I, I would yep. have thought there in West Perth. They were sold out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, two games then today. I'll, I'll touch on the EPL quickly too while we've got you, but two games today, Jets and Mariners, uh, the first F3 derby. Uh, new coaches involved with both of those clubs. Yeah, uh, Arthur Pappas at uh, Newcastle Jets and Mink Montgomery, of course, at the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners will have to go some to equal uh, what they did last year under Alan Stadjuk when they finished third and I think surprised mm. everybody, really. Um, they started the season reasonably well in the Cup. They, they beat Blacktown, I call that game. They've got some promising youngsters, particularly impressed with uh, Jacob Farrell at left back. And the, the imports for the Mariners are interesting. Mm. Uh, Moresh, the Brazilian, Benny and Cololo scored the winner in that game. Uh, not big names necessarily, but, you know, could surprise some people this season. Uh, the Jets, almost a completely unknown quantity with, uh, you know, a totally revamped squad. Uh, but they've, they've got two good central defenders in Jordan Elsie and Matty Yerman, uh, which should give them a good base to build upon. And uh, fascinated to see uh, how the two teams go against each each other this afternoon. Can I ask you, Simon, because we've got a lot of you know rugby league listeners and other sports as well, what's the salary cap situation? And you talk about imports there. What What, what is the cap on imports per A-League club? Well, they can have five imports. Um, they, they can bring in a couple of marquees if they can afford them, but yeah. uh, you know not everybody can. Um, the salary cap in total this year, I think, is about $2.2 million. Um, I think it's due to rise to two and a half next year. Stand to be corrected on that. Yeah. It's gone down a little bit from its peak, which was about 2.5, 2.6. Uh, that's obviously due to the ebb and flow, uh, you know, because of the pandemic and the change of the TV broadcast deal. Uh, it's difficult for clubs to bring in, uh, you know, big overseas talent. Daniel Sturridge is mm. uh, a rarity, really. It took us all a little bit by surprise that they were able to get him. Um, but, you know, there are bargains to be had. And as we've seen in the past with the likes of Bessart, Barisha, Thomas Broich, Diego Castro, mm. uh, Milos Ninkovic, they don't necessarily have to be a Del Piero to provide mm. really good quality for the competition. So, you know, hope, hopefully some of those names that perhaps we're not too familiar with now in a year or two will be uh, household names, just like, you know, Milos Dinkovic still is. Mm. As I say, um, so two games today. So the MacArthur FCV Wellington Phoenix game, that's been shifted, I believe. It was due to be played at Campbelltown, yeah. but that's drenched. So that'll be a double header now up at McDonald Jones. Well, it's not drenched. It's, unfortunately, the pitch oh. is just unplayable because it looks like a cow paddock. Um, oh, is that right? The so club are yeah. irritated. Yeah. yeah. The club are irritated. I think the game should be irritated. I mean, they've had six months mm. to prepare for a home game. It's not like, it, you know, this has come out of the blue. And apparently they turned up on Friday. Uh, a quarter of the pitch was missing and the rest of it looked like there'd been cows grazing on it for the last six months. Jeez. So really, I mean, that's that's completely unacceptable. And if I was a Bulls fan who paid for a membership or a season mm. ticket this year, to have to go 250 kilometres up the road to watch your team at home in Newcastle really is not on. So, yeah. you know, that, that's a situation that has to be resolved. Very, It's not like they were playing rugby league there last week, at least I'm not, not no. as far as I'm aware. Oh, I'm um, sure they so were. I have no idea why that's not, not been resolved. And, uh yeah, the Bulls should be rightly very angry at that situation. Their fans even more so. It's unacceptable. So you're right, MacArthur FC, they, they should be 
irritated and uh, the ground needs to be irrigated by by the sounds of it. So, <laughs> exactly. Ir- irritation and <laughs> irrigation. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> EPL. Now, um, Chelsea had the chance to go, what, five or six points clear at the top uh, last night with a win away at Leicester, which they did 3-0. Yeah, they're, they're four points clear because Liverpool uh, ah, yeah. had the gap back by uh, thrashing Arsenal 4-0 a little bit later on. But mm. uh, Chelsea, comfortable winners. Uh, and again, without Romelu Lukaku, but it doesn't seem to matter. They, they're finding goals all over the team. Antonio Rudiger, their big central defender. Uh, N'Golo Kante doesn't score too many uh, netting against his former club. Christian Pulisic scoring as well. They've had 15 different goal scorers uh, this season. Uh, Leicester seem to have dropped away a little bit this campaign, but uh, Chelsea looking very good. They had three ruled out for offside as well, so they could have had five or six in all honesty. More goals too, so you've already touched on that. Liverpool belted Arsenal, hey? Yeah, and Arsenal had uh, had come into that game on the back of a 10-game unbeaten run, so you know they, they were confident maybe of springing a bit of a surprise, but in the end it was uh, a no contest. Liverpool just way too good. Sadio Mane, Diogo Jota, Mo Salah again, and Roberto Firmino all on target. Uh, good response for Liverpool because, of course, they they lost their last game before the international break against West Ham. Uh, prior to that, they'd gone 25 unbeaten. Uh, Arsenal mm. be disappointed, no, not because they lost, because I think you know most people would say, yeah, they're not quite there yet. But Margin. the manner of the mm. defeat, uh, and they didn't really show much backbone. Only Mikel Arteta had a bit of a row with Jurgen Klopp on the sideline. That was about as animated as they got. West Ham had the chance to go above your boys, Man City, uh, into second, didn't they, with a win at Wolves, but the Hammers lost. Yeah, blew it, totally mm. blew it. Um, 65 points West Ham have gained in, in the calendar year. Only Chelsea and City uh, can can better that. So they've had a great start to the season, but came undone at Wolves, who are on a good little run um, themselves. Uh, Raul Jimenez, uh, the guy whose career was almost ended by a fractured skull last season, mm. uh, back in the groove with with a tidy winner. So, uh, yeah, West Ham missed that opportunity. And uh, Wolves are coming up on the rails after a, a rather wobbly start to the campaign. They're up to sixth. They are. And Manchester United, it's surely the last straw, isn't it, for manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Yeah. They've been thumped um, at Watford, and I'm seeing that he's about to be sacked. Yeah, this is, this is the big story, developing story of the weekend. Uh, Manchester United have now lost five of their last seven games. The same old failings against Watford. Uh, powder puff defending. Harry Maguire sent off. Watford even missed a penalty as well. Uh, just utterly woeful. And I, I, I really cannot see how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer survives this one. The rumours in the UK press this morning that the Manchester United board uh, met immediately for a crisis meeting. To be fair, we have heard this before, Mm. and he survived two or three times when we thought the axe was going to fall. But uh, surely against a team, with the greatest respect of Watford standing, to lose 4-1 on the back of their recent poor form, I I think that's got to be the final straw for the United board. If it's not, I will be mighty surprised. And the hot take is, is that it might be Zinedine Zidane uh, to take over, which will be very interesting. Mm. Simon, mate, I appreciate you taking, I know it's your day off, so thanks for having a chat and uh, bringing us right up to speed with all things football. No problem, Chris. Have a good weekend, mate. You too, mate. There he is, Simon Hill. Good fella, isn't he? Good fella and knows his, knows his business, doesn't he? Inside and out, the voice of football with Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. You're listening to Sports Central. It's coming up to 10 minutes to one. This is Sports Central on SEN. 
Six minutes to one uh, Sunday. What date is it? 21st of uh, November 2021. So it's 21 11 21. If you're into uh, numbers, uh, what's that study? Uh, numerology, I guess. You've got to turn your mic on. New, numerology, Chris. Yeah, 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 you're getting the hang of it. Uh, what are you up to today? Uh, get in touch with us. Come on, let's uh, spark up this open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 That's the number to call. There is space on the open line right about now, or 0457 736 736. We're taking your texts as well. This is Sports Central on SEN. Yes, it is Sports Central. It's one o'clock on the dot uh, and a good afternoon. I hope you are enjoying your uh, awful Sunday out there. Terribly, uh, terrible weather. I was out there uh, this morning and uh, it was freezing cold, driving rain. You know that type of rain that is just, I don't know, for some some reason it is wetter than normal rain. And it was just, in fact, I dived into my local pool almost to keep dry. That's how wet the rain was. But I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, walking by, and this was on the northern beaches, um, and I thought, what's going on here? I couldn't get a car park down where my, my local beach I go to, and it's just the worst weather you could imagine. And I'm thinking, what on earth could these people? No nippers were on. They were all cancelled. And then I saw a, a little marquee and some signage around it and some banners and lots of officials and all these people were – it was a checkpoint for this walk. And I sort of thought, well, what's going on here? So I, I dived in and um, I tell you what, it was warmer in the pool than out of the pool. That's how bloody miserable it was. But after I had a swim, I went up to the uh, the, the lady there. I said, what's all this about? Anyway, it's called the Bloody Long Walk. And I think it's about 25 k's-ish from Palm Beach to Manly in conditions that uh, are just atrocious. So hats off to uh, to you people out there that have uh, done that walk. And if there are any of you listening to us now, uh, maybe pick up the phone and, and give us a call and have a chat about it. Anyway, I dug a bit deeper to what it was all about. The bloody long walk, and you can uh, go on the website and look at it. They're trying to raise, I believe, about three quarters of a million dollars. Um, and the the reason for that is to help, I guess, find a cure uh, for what is called mitochondrial disease. Now, I know nothing about it. I will know more about it when I research it a bit later on. But I'm hoping to talk to uh, the man behind it all who's uh, running or at least a spokesman for um, this really good cause, the bloody long walk. I might speak to him a little bit uh, later on this afternoon because my hats, uh, I take my hat off to you guys. I spoke, you will recall, if you are a regular listener to uh, to this show or even uh, the Higher Ground program I do um, weeknights here on SEM. I spoke to a fella, uh, a good fella too, a young bloke called Lockie Bruce. And he actually, well, didn't walk from Palm Beach to uh, Manly. This was a, a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks, I think. He swam. I know. Um, 18 Ks, about 18 Ks from Palm Beach to Whale, uh, to, to Manly Beach. Nonstop, swam all the way. And did it in about, I don't know, four and a half hours or so leaving at about 
5.30 or 6 a.m. Um, in the morning. But these guys, they 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 tretched and trodged and squelched and squished and uh, they've uh, still probably, uh, some of them, are yet to arrive at Manly. The bloody long walk um, in aid of uh, helping uh, cure those or help those with mitochondrial disease. So I might talk a bit more about that later on. And if you were part of that bloody long walk, again, um, my hat's off to you, hat off to you, and uh, maybe give us a call. Uh, let us know um, if you finished the walk and uh, how drenched you were. Rugby union-wise and uh, Wallabies, poor old way for them to uh, to finish um, their, well, spring tour or autumn tour, depending which side of the globe you're on. Uh, we come away um, having lost to England, having lost to Scotland, and heartbreaking lost to Wales uh, early hours this morning in Cardiff. 29 points to 28, a defeat to Wales. Uh, it was an 83rd-minute penalty to Reese Priestland, which gave the Welsh uh, a controversial one-point victory, um, and it was a full house there in Cardiff. So they were obviously singing their, their little hearts out. The Welsh, they do love to sing. But Wallabies coach Dave Rennie has uh, taken a swipe at the officials um, and he goes on to say that he, he's, he's not one to criticise officials. Uh, this is in his post-match interview. Um, but he has labelled the officiating horrendous. And he said a world rugby apology would not make up for the result. We'll hear some of uh, Dave Rennie shortly. He said, I thought some of the decision-making tonight was horrendous and played a big part in the result. Um, we were down to 14 uh, players uh, for 65 minutes of the match. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's like going to a gunfight with a with a toothpick, isn't it? Against the Welsh on their home pitch, down a man. Yeah, good luck. And then we also had uh, Kirtley Beale yellow carded, I think, too, didn't we? So down to 13. Um, I'm just going on to read some of this here. But, uh, yeah, so Kirtley Beale was shown a yellow card for a deliberate knockdown in the 22nd minute. I'm not big on that rule in rugby. It doesn't happen in league. If the ball's there, I can hit it down, but you can't. And I get it. I get it. It's a different game um, altogether. Uh, Rennie says, I wasn't happy with Kirtley's yellow card. He's making an effort to wrap uh, two arms. It clips his hand on the way through, and they find a yellow card uh, for that. He says, I make a real point not to criticise referees. Um, But there you go. He's gone on and done that. So Dave Rennie, not a happy bunny after the Wallabies lost to the Welsh 29-28 in Cardiff. Oh, look, I couldn't be prouder of the of the lads. It's uh, hell an effort. You know, we played most of the game with 14. We played some of it with 13. Uh, I thought some of the decision-making by the officials tonight was horrendous and played a big part in the result. Which ones in particular angered you? Which, decision, which decisions particularly angered you? Well, Kelly Bell got Simbin for slapping the ball down, they did the same thing. Clearly goes forward, and uh, they get seven points out of it. So, you know, I got obviously really disappointed with the result, but, um, you know, we'll end up getting an apology next week, no doubt, but it won't help the result. No, it won't. Too little, too late. Um, look, you know, how do you summarise um, the tour in general? How do you summarise it? Rugby fans, get in touch with me. Give me a call. Um, enlighten me, if you will, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Uh, you look at the score and we've lost all three matches we've played and you think, well, gee, that's pretty terrible, isn't it? Pretty horrendous. But um, I haven't, you know, let me know. Let me know. What, what's the score out of 10 on the Wallabies um, 
European autumn tour over there. A loss to England. Okay, that was it had mitigating circumstances around that too. Prior to that, a loss at Murrayfield. Only by about three points, if that wasn't it. So that was hardly disgraced. And then playing before a packed house against Wales um, in Cardiff. And we lose in the 82nd or 83rd minute by just the one point. Controversial loss, it must be said too. And, you know, whether whether the referee or officials were right or wrong, gee, I tell you what, when you've got um, 80,000 screaming Welsh in their red jerseys um, baying for, for blood and, and, and at the officials, surely they do get the rub of the green, don't they? The home side in these big contests. And, and equally, as we would too, yeah, if it was uh, ANZ Stadium. Um, packed with 80,000 gold jerseys. But let me know, if you, if you have been a keen rugby follower of of the Wallabies over the past few weeks, let me know, what is the score out of 10? Uh, losing all three, 29-28, uh, uh, the final uh, match, uh, losing uh, to Wales as well. Plenty of um, rugby league news around and cricket as well. Keep those text messages coming through, 0457 736 736. Um, is the text line. And again, I will get to it shortly. We might take a, a break in a moment, but uh, just I did say before uh, to Dasher from Matraville, who sent in a text, Morning Gents, again, read the Tim Payne incident. Why is it even being discussed? Cricket Australia investigated it and decided that no case to answer. That was four years ago. Dasher, I, I did say to you, I will explain more of that, and I will do that actually after this short break because there's a, a fair bit more to the story um, which has been published today in the Daily Telegraph. On Cricket 2, I see that Shane Warne, um, he's saying, look, lay off Tim Payne just because he's a, he's a sportsman and, and in very high position as the Australian cricket captain. He's human after all. He's made a mistake. Get off his back. I see his wife or partner is also um, pledging her support to to her man, which is just great to see. I really applaud her for that as well because you've got to imagine her position in this. It's all pretty sorted, isn't it? You know, you don't want your bloke being accused or, or this all being dragged out in front of you, but it is. It's real, and um, it's good to see that he's being supported by his partner as well. But Shane Warne is saying that he doesn't believe that, well, he thinks that maybe it's time for Tim Payne to, to give him a rest, to bring someone else in. What are your thoughts on that? Should Tim Payne be a walk-up starter for the first Ashes test on December 8 at the Gabba? Is his form, his recent form, good enough to hold down the number seven batting spot? Yes, I would agree he is the number one keeper in the country. But there are others as well. Alex Carey, Josh Inglis, who else? Matty Wade. And Shane Warne thinks that one of those three should be brought in, at least for the first test. And Warney has also rubber-stamped the appointment. I see um, Alan Border has also said that Pat Cummins, go for it. Appoint him as captain. I said yesterday, and what do I know compared to uh, two greats of the game? But I just don't... Uh, I don't want to detract from Pat Cummins' ability as, as one of our key strike bowlers. I, I just think it's probably too much on his plate. But what do I know? I'm keen to hear what you know out there. Again, that open line number, if you want to pick up the phone and have your say, is one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 And the text line again, 0457 736 736. Steve from Padstow. Uh, good afternoon to you, mate. He's a regular listener of SEN and uh, Sports Central. He says, kick out, what a dummy. 
have some respect for the club that is currently paying you. Well said. Well said, Steve from Padstow. We'll take a break. It's 11 past one. This is Sports Central on SEN. Quarter past one. We are here right up until four o'clock. And uh, a very good afternoon to you. If you are just uh, tuning in, you might be in the car. Uh, you might be, where might you be? Sunday. What would be the ideal Sunday, right? It's terrible conditions out there. And uh, I hope you're keeping dry. Uh, those that were marching their way from Palm Beach to Whale Beach today in the driving rain for that uh, uh, that charity, the Bloody Long Walk, um, I bet you guys are nice and drenched. But other than that, so I don't fancy doing that, what would you be doing? What's? Uh, I'll ask you this, Justice. What would your – if you weren't here, right, because I know you, you, you love being in here with me on a Sunday mm. afternoon, right? But if you weren't, what else would you really love to be doing? If I gave you now, okay, you've got – a wallet full of money, and you've got the next six, six hours. Oh. Okay. What would you do, do you think, with your next six hours? And money's no problem. Money's no problem. Well, if you get – if I if, if I can go – Throwing you on the spot here. Uh, yeah. If I can go find a bar yeah. and have like 12 screens of yeah. like basketball and ice hockey, and I can just sit down and just observe – all the sports that are going around. In well, the Sporting Globe, is that one of our sponsors? Yeah. That's might where you, you might end up there. Because, like, everyone goes to me, how do you watch all these sports all on the different screens? So would you take your, any mates down there or would you just go on your Pat Malone and just... Because just, I enjoy my own company. I often go up the pub and just have a couple of beers by myself. There's nothing wrong with that. And some people go, well, how can you go to a pub by yourself? Easily. I, I can go and do that by myself, but um, what's the word? Um, How do you call it? It's just sometimes you get nervous, but if you're sometimes watching sport, um, mm-hmm. what's the word? It just feels more, you just feel focused in. You know, you can just sort of do it. I get it. Yeah. So if you're at a pub, a sports bar, having a couple of beers by yourself, but you're watching sport, so you've got a reason for being there. Yeah. So people can't look at you and go, "Oh, look at that, Nigel, nobody, no, Nigel, no mates." But I don't care if they look at me, and they probably do, because mm-hmm. I, I more often than not, I go to the pub and have a a beer by myself. If there's someone there I know, well, I'll have a chat, but I'm happy to sit down and read through my phone or Twitter or Instagram and have a couple of beers. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because, you know, as I said, I quite enjoy my own company. I'm not a bad bloke. Um, try to get hold of um, try to get hold of Cody Kay from um, Fox Sports. And uh, why don't you try and give him another call? Because I think he might have um, – he's probably been – having a bit of a lion because I am reliably informed that he went to, I think, a 20-year reunion yesterday. So there's no doubt that he may be a little bit foggy, but I wanted to get Cody on. He talks, uh, works for, for Fox Sports, but he was out there at Penrith yesterday for their grand final parade. So they won their third grand final and uh, 18 years. Aiden, years they had waited for that. I think Cody is on the line, Mister Cody. Hi, mate. Come in, brother. How are? How are you feeling? Well, I tell you what, I uh, are you a little bit I slim? Tried to, I'm a little bit iffy. I'm a little bit iffy. Um, mm. It was a very late finish, um, but I tell you what, it was um, mm. 20 reunions. You can't miss them. But uh, yeah, I think I'm probably probably done until the next the next 10 years. <laughs> I yeah. Think that might do me if you're still around. If I, uh, quite, yeah, well, <laughs> gee, we live in hope, don't we? What? Not uh, any younger. What reunion? What school re- reunion? 
Darren Joey High School, mate, class of 2001. Wow. 20 years. So a lot of us, a lot of us are a lot fatter and a lot bolder than we once were, but it was lovely oh, to see everyone. Oh, I would love. I haven't done that, you know. I'd love to do a school. Uh, gee, so were there any there that you sort of didn't even recognise that were maybe there good, were a couple maybe there good that mates? I didn't recognize. Yeah. Oh, uh, not so well, Actually, there was one bloke who I, I spent a good five minutes talking to, convinced that he was from my year. Turned out he was from the year above us. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. <laughs> and what about any old, any old flames? Because you know, and I'm just I'm talking to Cody K, right? So he is is Mr. Northern Beaches. Am I able to tell my listeners, Cody, a little bit about your background as well? Is that all right, mate? Go for it. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're just sitting there dying to know. So Cody K, right, and you will know Cody, he's on. He's always on Fox Sports News. I used to work with him, but they gave me the punt and they kept this bloke, right? But he's always on there doing boxing or rugby league or tennis or cricket, whatever, and you are a very good sports journal, right? But before... Kind, thank you, thank you. No, no. Before all this, Cody K, well, he was actually in Home and Away. He's an actor, <laughs> an actor by trade. How long were you in Home and Away for? Oh, mate, look, it was uh, it was one episode, and then they, and then a couple of years later, when I was still uh, still trying to do the acting thing, they ran, I remember it was a Monday morning, and I was very unemployed, waiting for the phone to ring, and they said, "Are you busy?" And yeah. uh, I think I was smoking at the time, and I was mm-hmm. sitting there doing nothing, probably nervously waiting for my next audition that wasn't going to arrive. And yeah. anyway, they got Dane Smith, the um, the original bad boy from Summer Bay, to come back for. Eight episodes. It was a very iffy storyline, though. I think um, I, I somehow was accused of giving a child cancer. So. What? <laughs> and then, uh, and then he was, and then he, and then he was written out. Apparently, he was, um, I was written out after about eight or twelve episodes. So there you go. But Dane Smith. Well, it was a the original, a, the original bad boy. It was a flash in the pan then. But I mean, you see, so you weren't just like walking past up there at Palm Beach Pool or near the lighthouses. A bit of a, an extra walking past in the background. You had a decent role, didn't you? Had a had a little had a little uh, yeah had a little talking role on there and mm-hmm. um, it's funny you now I, I was a bit starstruck because I didn't have a scene with Alf but I did I yeah. did have a moment with him in the green room where we both reached for the last bit of raisin toast and he was good enough to share it with me oh, so that was probably galah. yeah that was probably the highlight you flame and galah well there you go and no, and we don't have to talk sporty so I'm I'm interested here so I'm talking to Cody K Fox Sports reporter and I've just declared and uh, revealed to our our listeners that. He is an actor, was an actor in Home and Away. So when did you want to go into acting? And this is going down a different path. I did always, want to talk mate, sport that was, at some point. That, that, was the, um, that was always the dream, to be honest with you, mate. And then um, I, I, I sort of I graduated from drama school about 21 and spent a lot of time working in bars. I was actually the youngest in my year. And um, there's quite a few that are still going at it now. And I, I remember maybe a, a year or two into it working in bars, I thought, you know what? Um, I might need to do something else here. I uh, don't know if this is going to be the best long-term plan. So I sort of fell into sports journalism, funnily enough, and I, I was pretty lucky that um, I found something else that I loved and that was actually paid bills because the, the acting thing was, you know, feast at really feast or famine. You'd get an ad that yeah. paid you a couple of grand and then you wouldn't do anything for, you know, a few months and you're always waiting for the phone to ring. So I was pretty lucky that I found two things that I loved in the end. And That's a bit like being a freelance sports um, presenter, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same grind. Yeah, same grind. Right. Uh, hang on, just before we talk sport, back on that, that school reunion. So, and be honest here, were there any sort of childhood sweethearts back then that, that you, do, you, had the you, hots, you had the hots for and, and now they're barely recognisable? It, yeah, there. It, it's it's amazing. Like there were, um, It's funny, all the girls that uh, everyone was chasing in year 12, <laughs> 
um, not so much anymore. And, mm. and a lot of the ones that probably didn't get any attention uh, around high school. Late bloomers. Now. <laughs> Late bloomers. It's a, it's a true thing. And equally so. We're not it, sexist here. Obviously, guys too. There might have been some, some guys that were... Uh, late bloomers as well. And, Do you know uh, what? That, that is, that's absolutely true. There was a bloke there that all the girls were absolutely head over heels in love with last night that got absolutely no attention at school. So and he was a total dork. He was a total dork. Total dork 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it could help that he's a financial advisor and he yes. rocked up in a very flash-looking car. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Oh, the, the language <laughs> of love. Yeah. <laughs> the ching-ching. The ching-ching. <laughs> all right, mate. Where do we start then? Um, firstly, yeah, they love that. We all love that stuff. That's that's the current the language of love. Yesterday at Penrith, was there much love out there? I mean, I'm sure they are still celebrating some of them. They haven't seen their their premiership winning team for ages. Uh, but the whole oh, Viliami it was kick- amazing out there. Yeah, the whole Viliami kickout was- thing was a bit of a bit of a downer. Or was it, it was. And look, at, you know, it's funny because like they're obviously a pretty parochial fan base. The um, the Panthers fan base, and and obviously the news only sort of. I think it is that only that photo of him um, in Bulldogs colours at the, at the Canterbury Leagues Club that only emerged I think 24 hours earlier, and, and they're actually pretty circumspect. I think a lot of the the Panthers um, fans like they, it mm. obviously hurt them, um, but I think they understood that. Um, funnily enough, that look rugby league probably is a business, and if it was eight hundred thousand dollars, it was a whole lot more than Penrith could offer him. Then what chance were they really to keep him? But definitely a, a real sense of disappointment that it, that it happened, and also that um, you know they'll see a player playing, one of their favourite players playing for them for a year, knowing full well that he's gone after that. So mm. it's a hollow feeling, isn't it, um, that we still allow this to happen in the NRL? And um, if there was ever a case in point that there probably should be a draft or something to prevent it, I, I think it may have been that photo emerging. And I mean, mm. you've got to ask yourself though, what what on earth was the benefit for the Bulldogs of having him in a Bulldogs jersey? This uh, Bulldogs jersey absolutely zero. Other people are saying, well, maybe they're just planning well ahead, you know, like 12 months in advance for when he finishes at Penrith. I don't, yeah, I I don't think any, a... I don't think any rugby league media office, and you know them very well, uh, are that well organized or um, that efficient, to be honest with you. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know that's the line Penrith were told. And um, yeah, mm. I think they're struggling to believe that one as much as you and I might be. Mm. Anyway. It just uh, it makes no sense. makes no. absolutely no sense to do that. But anyway. Well, it, it doesn't, and that's why we're thinking, you know, those that, that might be thinking there might be other things at play here. Anyway, what's the general feeling out there? So the Panthers, they, they win the premiership. Obviously, like all clubs, when it happens, you have salary cap pressure. You've got to let a, a few stars go. Well, the, they've let well, probably half a dozen or so players that are now have gone. Are they still upbeat, the Panthers fans, looking ahead into next season? They still think they can they can give it a shake and maybe, maybe back up the the premiership success? I think so. Look, I mean, the, the, the important thing for Penrith is that they've still got that that, that core group there. I mean, they've still got um, Jerome Luai. They've still got Cleary. They've still got a very good front row. I mean, James Fisher-Harris obviously was a little bit quiet towards the back end of um, last year. If he can get back to his best. And then, look, a lot of those players... You know, Matt Burton's going to be a tough one to, tough one to replace. But, they've, you know, I mean, the Panthers' production lines, you know, certainly that junior nursery's never failed to produce. And if they can pump out a few more juniors and, and unearth a few more toes, then I think um, they're going to be in pretty good hands. And, you know, considering the experience those guys have got now, having been to two grand finals and mm. knowing what it takes to win them at the back, back end of the year, look, I think Penrith is set for a number of years, provided, you know, pr- provided they can all keep fit. I'll tell you the interesting one for me, though, um, you know, Ivan was talking about um, how important their pre-seasons have been the last couple of years to, to get them where they are. Yeah. Um, Nathan's obviously going to be a long, long way behind the eight ball in terms of, I mean, the shoulder still in the sling. He doesn't get that out, and I think, until mm. next week. He's going to be underdone, I think, going into 
going into the season. No so question. it'll be interesting to see how they respond there. They've obviously got um, question marks around Abby Corrissau getting the jab, and he may miss about four or five games. So I think there are some questions over Penrith mm. last. You got the, really got the feeling that this was their season, and um, I think it's going to be a lot tougher for them next year for I, sure. I wonder. You're right. So he won't start the season, will he, uh, Nathan? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Yes? He, no? They've got Manly in round one, I think on the 10th, yeah. and he said he was going to be trying for it, but I can't mm. see how he'd. You do that. Look, it's a World Cup year too next year, um, mm. and and you just wouldn't think that you, you know you're not going to risk him early on, eh? I mean, they trying to work they out took who, a risk with him. Who would come in and partner Luai um, if uh, Nathan wasn't there? Who's next in line? You yeah, know? well, it's unfortunate. I mean, Matt Burton would have been one of the obvious choices, but, or even um, and Tyrone then also, May. Tyrone but he's May was one of the other choices. Mm. So um, they'll have to do a bit of digging, I think. And look, Happy Coruscant can play a bit of can mm. play play in the halves a little bit if they need to, but. Um, Mm. It's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, how do you replace Nathan Cleary? You can't. No. Um, but the good thing about Penrith Code is, as you well know, mate, they, uh, you know, they've, if not the best, they've got the best sort of um, talent pyramid in, in the business, the way they've identified so many coming through. And, and they will understand that, you know, they've had to lose the likes of Naden and, and um, Burton and, and Capewell and all that, but there'll be others coming through as well. I remember... He's a big loss, Kurt Capewell. Oh, well, I was just going to say that because I remember, and I don't know if it was before last season, maybe even the season before, they went away on a oh, a bonding camp out in the bush, you know, a survivor yep. type thing. And you'll recall too, that I remember Nathan, uh, Ivan saying the best leader and trainer in that whole group was, was Capewell. And it's funny you mentioned that um, trip because the Panthers will, will often tell you that, that that was probably the making of them in a lot of ways. And, mm. you know, it was obviously, um, it was after that period, was after that, just after that period with all the um, phone scandals and all those sorts of things. And they went away into the bush and it was like an SAS style um, training camp. And a, a lot of leaders emerged from that camp and they bonded. And, and I think they really learned how to um, how to thrive under tough conditions and adversity. And look, but Kurt Capel, as you mentioned, like you watch him on and off the footy and that guy's probably one of, the, the greatest competitors in the game at the moment, and they will—they'll miss him. There's absolutely mm. no doubt about it. He's versatile. He can play a bit of centre if you need him to. Um, so mm. that'll be a tough one for him. He may actually be be the toughest loss for them, I think. Yeah. Matt Burton as well, but um, you know Matt was always playing was out always of position dumb, in the centre. It? So man, he was always yeah. he was always gone anyway. Right. Oh well. Yeah. No. We'll wait and see uh, with all that. I'm talking to uh, Fox Sports uh, and uh, former Home and Away star Cody K, by the way, <laughs> who who might sound a little bit slim dusty because he's been at a uh, a 20 year school reunion. It's almost half past one. What? Uh, when is it too early to maybe have a have a shandy or um, even a Bloody Mary or something just to um, help, you know what the Bloody Mary is not the worst idea the Bloody Mary is mm. not the worst idea I did actually um, I have been outside briefly I managed to go and get a, a, a um, BLT with um, avocado and cheese so that sort of went some way to undoing some of the damage and um, I was fast asleep when I heard the phone when I heard you ring so I do apologise if I sound like a no you sound good almost 40 year old that's been on the had a no, pretty solid evening almost 40 year old my goodness are you really i got a decade still on you brother but you're catching me up um, i and you and me, we should have picked you. You've, you're a bit dusty, but I should have remembered this. And they've signed Sean O'Sullivan, haven't they, Penrith from the Warriors? So he yes, will, they have actually. That was that's from that's the Tool yeah, Man. Yeah, the yeah. Tool Man's told us that, and also Mark has told us about Sean O'Sullivan. So our listeners are keeping us honest. Yeah, that's a great pickup, actually. They picked him up about a week or two ago, didn't they? And and, and also, it was mm. one of those signings where you thought, gee, where does Sean O'Sullivan fit into that um, fit into that team? Is he going to get much game time? But um, it sounds like he's going to be a very good chance to start a year. Look, there's no chance he's going to get. He's going to knock um, Jerome Leoy out of that spot. And let's not obviously, 
he's got no chance when it comes to um, getting a seven jersey, but very, very handy pickup for them, um, given the circumstances mm. around Nathan. And um, thanks to Mark and the Toolman for mining us. Absolutely. No, mate, our listeners, they're our, best, they're our best researchers. I reckon you could have a couple of blood... See, a Bloody Mary, that's almost like just like an orange juice type thing. But it, Is yeah. that your go-to, a, a uh, Bloody Mary? I haven't, had a, I haven't had a real slim, dusty feeling for a while, but yes, if I wasn't working, yeah, go for it, mate. With a bit of um, Tabasco, a bit of Worcestershire, a stick of celery, yeah, stick of celery um, some fresh tomato. Mate, it's healthy. It's good for the system. I'd good feel for the soul. Enough, if, the, if the footy was on today, I'd feel pretty good about doing it. But um, You working tonight? Today? Know. No? No, no I, I, I was supposed to work today, but I thought um, given that I didn't get home till 2.30 last night, the 4.30, mm. 4.30 start this morning might have been a, a bit of a bridge too far. So mm. you I took it off. I took it off. Go and have a couple of hours. Kit, we might, might catch up later on, actually. We'll see. Uh, just uh, before we, you pull you go, mate, on, on cricket, I know you love your, your cricket uh, as well. Um, uh, what, what do you think? Do we do we keep Tim Payne in the side? Does he Look, or I, not? I think it's a great – It's a, you know, I think the reality is um, that if Tim Payne's in that cricket team, um, even if he plays even – even if he has the best series of his yeah. life, uh, it's going to be such a distraction – that I don't know how you fit him in now. Um, I, I really, uh, I, I think it's too much of a distraction to the rest of the blokes there. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys knocking on the door. Alex Carey's got to be a good chance. Wade obviously was fantastic at the World Cup. So they've got options. Um, but I just too. think, um, I, I think probably uh, it's a distraction that they're just not going to need. Yeah, um, I think, well, Shane Warne's saying the same sort of thing. So Cummins to captain, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's a no-brainer to bring Steve Smith back, but it, it doesn't look like they're going to go down that path. Look, I, I, that, that was what I initially thought, but I, I guess the aesthetics of it, um, you know, Tim was obviously brought in to replace um, Steve Smith and then aesthetically, you know, what, is it, what do the optics look like if you then have Steve Smith replacing Tim Payne for, you know, yeah, for but him Steve's standing done, down? He's done his time. He's done his time. I haven't got, what do the optics look like now if Cricket Australia says, oh, we don't mind you having a leadership role, Steve, but it can only be a vice captain. I mean, what's that all about? Mm, oh, look, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. And I think... Um, it's probably about something, you know, he can certainly do the job. And, and look, I've, I always loved Steve Smith as a captain. I thought he was a wonderful leader. Um, and I, I thought it was a shame that it ended for him um, the way it did in that regard. Look, as to, if it's Pat Cummins, he certainly wouldn't be out of place. I think we've only ever had one pace bowler as a, as a, as a captain before. And I think it was for one test back back in the 50s. My, my, one of our listeners might be able to... No, you're right. I read, that, I read that too. And I, his name um, escapes me. And the last bowler we had was um, Richie Benno. But it was always about 60 yeah, years. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, look, Pat's wanted it for a while. And, and, and I think he's felt ready for it. And he's been groomed for it. And he's been around some great leaders. And he'll have plenty of support. Um, it's just I just wonder what you do if he breaks down and who do you go to then and mm. you know does that mess things up but um, right. I don't know they selected a smarter man than I am well you're right you well I don't know don't uh, don't, <laughs> don't sell yourself too cheap mate thanks for joining us Code uh, great to chat to you mate and um, we should do it more often and, and I might be floating around uh, later on this afternoon for a, um, a Bloody Mary or two Oh, give us a buzz, mate. You've got my number. All right, brother. See you later. There he is, Cody, yeah, Cody Kay, uh, Fox Sports News and uh, also former Home and Away star, uh, joining us on SEN 1170. Sports Central it is. It's coming up to, uh, what is it, to 25 minutes to two. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I'm going to uh, track down Brett Phillips. We're going to talk some tennis and all the latest news uh, from the world of tennis home and abroad. This is Sports Central on SEN.
And coming up to 22 minutes to two, 22 to two um, rolls into cricket, doesn't it, Richie? Uh, 22 to two. Um, we're the captains here. I'm going to talk some tennis in a moment. Uh, Brett Phillips is on the line. We'll get to Brett in about 30 seconds just before we do. Keep those text messages coming through, by the way. 0457 736 736. Easy to remember that number. Plug it into your phone. Uh, the toolman uh, says, uh, Wah, I think Smith uh, will be the puppeteer of the Aussies, pulling the strings, and Cummins will be the puppet. Yeah, well, maybe so. So maybe Pat Cummins will be uh, officially have the C next to his name, but uh, Steve Smith might be uh, the man to go to and, and uh, call the shots. I was saying earlier, I think I think they should just bring Steve Smith straight back in, particularly for an Ashes test. I don't think it's any time to be experimenting uh, with a fast bowler as a captain for the very first time. Um, that match between New South Wales and Victoria, uh, day two of the uh, Sheffield Shield at the SCG. Um, New South Wales Blues uh, yesterday, so we got 233, and the Vicks are three for 68, but there's been no play, uh, no play before lunch, in fact, because of uh, rain, and I doubt they'll get any play out there today uh, if it keeps going on like this. And uh, the other one, uh, being played in Hobart, Blunston Arena, uh, WA, 4 for 87. Uh, 4 for 87 on day one uh, up against Tasmania. All right, time to talk some tennis now. And doing that is the man that knows more about uh, tennis than any other person on this planet, uh, Brett Phillips. BP, thanks for joining us, mate. Hey, nice to chat, Chris. Uh, and you will know, Brett, for those of you uh, who have not uh, heard uh, Brett before, the host of uh, The First Serve, Mondays, Brett. What time is that on then? Uh, eight o'clock, uh, yeah, every Monday night. Got a, a couple of shows to go for this year and we'll settle up for a big 2022. So, yeah, plenty of news. Eight o'clock live. You can call in, chat to us. Uh, plenty of uh, views and opinions in the world of tennis. So we'd love to hear from you. Well, it's the only, and, I, and I've heard the promo, it's the only tennis talkback live radio show, commercial radio show on the planet, correct? Yep. Well, we believe so, yeah, certainly in Australia. <laughs> Certainly in Australia, and I can't find any evidence of anywhere around the world that has a, a dedicated show. There's a lot of great tennis podcasts out there, which I listen to plenty of them. But yeah. here, you can be interactive, whether you like to jump on a phone, if you're a bit shy and you don't want to jump on the radio, you can send us a text and get involved as well. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, plenty happening in the world of tennis as we sort of get edge closer to uh, to the Australian Open. Um, let's let's go there first if we can. So, so what's the latest? I see that there is a no jab, no play firm policy put yep. down and we know that Novak Djokovic, and we'll talk about his, uh, he's lost today, hasn't he? And Novak Djokovic mm. um, is reluctant to say whether he's jabbed or not. But if he's not jabbed, well, he won't be playing. No, it's firm, absolutely firm. Uh, the Australian Open had their official uh, launch uh, yesterday and, and those uh, words that echoed from our Premier Dan Andrews uh, what about five or six weeks ago now about uh, no one being given exemptions here in uh, Victoria stands true and the Australian Open's had to fall into line. They've communicated uh, that to the playing group. Around about that time, there were still quite a few players that hadn't been vaccinated. Craig Tiley's words yesterday, the CEO of uh, Tennis Australia and the tournament director is that uh, that's up around 80 percent now mm. and as the tours are winding down for this year um, they all know the requirements if they want to come and play tennis in Australia come January they're going to have to be vaccinated and look we have we just await now Djokovic uh, as you mentioned he got knocked out of the uh, on the, in the semis of the world tour finals in Turin today by Alexander Zverev and his focus now will be looking to 2022 so 
Uh, fascinating must-watch mm. uh, on Novak. I mean, there's huge stakes here, Chris, to go for a 10th Australian Open to pass yeah. uh, Roger and uh, yeah. Rafa to get to 21. Um, I've, I've said all along I'd be so surprised if he wasn't here, but something's got to give on the Djokovic side. But because he hasn't stated, we just don't officially know whether he's uh, jabbed or not. Even it's though a strange, we think he it's, a real, it's a real strange one, Brett. And as you rightly point out there, he's got so much... Uh, on the line and so many reasons to come. And I think, mm. I think I'm right in saying he was saying, well, it's, it's not that I'm, I'm anti-vax. It's just, I don't want to be um, dictated to. I don't want to be told uh, that I have to tell you whether I've, I am or I aren't. I'm not. Um, but if he does turn up, well, we all know that he is. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, to obviously get through into the country and well, to certainly get into Melbourne park, you could probably, you can get into the country uh, if you're unvaccinated, then go to two weeks of quarantine. But um, mm. if you're um, if you want to play at the Australian Open and come to the place where, whether you're a spectator, whether you're a casual worker, cleaner, uh, or one of one of the many thousands of events, staff, the me- media throng, players, the media throng. I like that the word. Media throng. throng. All love the word media throng. All <laughs> going to work. Yeah. Then the tennis players are also going to work, and you've got to fall into line with that. So um, mm. wait and see. On the women's side, so uh, during the week or a couple of days ago, Ash Barty, uh, she was again named as the world number one women's player and she's held that office now for, what, three years in a row to join some elite company. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, we, we look at Australian tennis, we dissect it every week on the first serve and we talk about, you know, there's not probably a lot coming in under Ash and our, our juniors. So there's lots of things you can peel apart. But at the end of the day, we also turn around and say, we've got a world number one that is Australian, not just a, a fleeting little uh, spell. This is mm. three years, which is absolutely magnificent. And, uh, you know, not many players can do that. And it's tough, the women's game. I mean, she's not going to go out and win everything. But once again, this year, she's been more consistent. Match wins, won five tournaments, stepped up and won when it really counts. We would love to have seen her at the WTA finals just recently in Mexico. We can understand her decision to come home. I think she's back training uh, in the last uh, few days, gearing up for the Aussie summer. And we're dying to see an Australian Open champion actually come from Australia. And she right now mm. is our best chance. So fingers crossed, Chris, she's cherry ripe for January and mm. can hit her best form because that would just be the icing on the cake of, you know, the fans coming back, full capacity. The Oz Open, um, you know, yeah. is a, an, an unbelievable event. But for an Australian to win it would just be unbelievable. Wouldn't it? What? Where is she on the fitness front, mate? Because I know that you know, her tennis has been sort of pretty sparse the past few months. Well, as I said, yeah, she's back uh, back hitting. So she'll have a nice pre-season, you know, a good sort of six to seven weeks where she'll get herself into, you know, good nick, um, uh, having not played for a little while, uh, back out. Her and Craig Ties are the good part about you know, their partnership. They've been together for so long. They're always tinkering. They're always working on little uh, nuances and facets of her game that can that can keep her at the top of the pack. Um, so, yeah, expect, uh, you know, some little little changes to uh, to Barty. But, I mean, fundamentally, what she delivers is uh, damn good, and that's why she's world number one. Yeah. Uh, she plays a terrific, uh, terrific brand of tennis. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's the latest with Peng Shui? Uh, still missing, we believe. Um Take us through that story because it, this doesn't just involve sport. This is far greater than, than sports news. Yeah, it's pushing every you know, part of the globe at the moment in terms of uh, the interest and where it's been reported. 
so yeah, Peng Shui, a Chinese player, 35 years of age. She's been around a long time. Been a former world number one doubles player. She's uh, been in the top 50 in singles. You know, she's a Wimbledon winner. Uh, she's a big deal in her country, like most sports stars are. Uh, around about November two or three, she uh, made allegations of sexual assault uh, against her against a former politician. And since then, uh, she hasn't been seen in public. Now, what's come out the last few days, Chris? And we saw last week um, from Chinese state media this email that supposedly came from Peng Shui that she was okay. Uh, she retracted her statement, but no one was buying into that at all. And then we've seen over the last 48 hours, we've seen some still images uh, put up. We've seen a video of her, her coach, supposedly, and a friend at a dinner. And one that's just surfaced this morning is of her at a presentation of a junior tennis tournament in China, where she's part of the presentation party. But the, the thing with all this is that these images and videos, nothing is sort of um, time-coded or, or dated there. Uh, I mean, is someone, you know, we've got a guest coming on the first serve tomorrow night who's a global legal analyst over in the US yeah. who I've spoken to earlier today who's who's lived in Beijing and said, look, you know, China can, uh, the government over there can make you do a video um, and and make everything look okay or mm. else. I mean, you know, you just, it's a phenomenal situation. A but look, world. the WTA, yeah, the WTA, if they don't get a satisfactory outcome, they will seriously look at pulling tennis out of China. It's worth a lot. It's worth millions of dollars. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, the Chinese government, um, who love their sport, they love tennis, they love Formula One, they've got the Winter Olympics coming to Beijing next year, uh, they they want to save a bit of face on this one. So there's a bit playing out, but we wait and see. All right, Brett, I appreciate you jumping on the line, mate, at short notice. Um, and our listeners can uh, tune into the first serve. So you'll be on tomorrow from 8. And the good thing about that, see, I'm always encouraging you, BP, to uh, build a good audience uh, for me because I come off the back of that. So I'm on higher ground 9 till, nice. mi- till midnight, so just riding your, your wave of success. <laughs> well, hopefully we can be a nice little entree into the uh, the main course after nine. <laughs> All right, champ. Pre- appreciate it, Brett. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you, Chris. You too. You too. There is great stuff. Uh, Brett Phillips there uh, from uh, the host of The First Serve, uh, Monday nights from 8 o'clock here on uh, SEN. Hope you are enjoying your Sunday afternoon. I tell you what, this Sunday afternoon... I asked you, um, Justice of the Peace, JP, I asked you what you would do. So you would go down to probably the Sporting Globe mm-hmm. or somewhere like that or, you know, a sports cafe where there's all sorts of sports because you're a sports tragic, right? That's why you've – that's how you've sort of ended up here. You just wanted – you got like um, – you were really attracted to, to sport of all kind. Yes, Chris. And I was, I, was this weird talk. I was introduced to paddle tennis. I was watching the World Paddle Championships. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. What do you mean paddle tennis? What's paddle, paddle tennis? Oh, it's just, it's playing in a squash court. Yeah. And they, and, and, they st- and they play tennis, but it's just like same dimensions of a tennis court. Yes. But they play inside like four glass perspex windows. Right. And I was watching this and I'm going, I really like this sport. Well, you'd like any sport. Yes. You would. But there is also um, other sort of, yeah, there's another tennis game. Oh, I'm going to delve into it because you've got me, you've got me thinking. Now. You want to go for a break first, right? Okay, we'll take a break and then I'll, I'll sort of tell you what I would like to do. My ideal Sunday when it's wet and yuck like this. This is Sports Central on SEN.
Yeah, it's coming up to 2 o'clock. Still loads to get through. We've still got two hours uh, to go through. I've got loads of texts here as well. Rooster Man, I'll get to yours as well. Tim the Tool Man uh, and Dasha from Matraville. I'm going to answer that text too about uh, about Cricket Australia and the whole Tim Payne thing. Stay listening. Sports Central, another couple of hours. And that uh, we will also dive into what I would be doing on a dreadful day like this if I wasn't here working. This is Sports Central on SEN. And it is 2 o'clock on the dot. Uh, great to have your company. Um, awful day out there. Awful day in Sydney. I imagine it's pretty awful uh, right across um, the state, if not the country. Let us know. Uh, also, welcome to our, our guests, I'm sure, tuning in uh, on the Gold Coast through SEN 1620. Great to have you guys on board. Not quite sure what the weather is like up there, but this is anything. But it's almost summer, right? And it is almost like... Uh, midst of winter even worse like being in a blizzard this morning it was just that that rain that was i don't know so fine but so persistent and i was you know joking before when i said i went down the pool for a swim i almost dived in the pool to stay dry that's how wet and cold and awful it was outside um let us know what you're up to let us know what you're up to Ideal Sunday, ideal things to do on a yucky, yucky day. You might have some ideas too that you might like to send through on a text. What are you up to? Um, Me, what would I be doing? I don't know. I don't know. I would probably, okay, so I've got no children, right? So it's a kid-free day for me. Um, Can't play golf. I'd go for a swim. I always go for a swim. And that builds up a a few credits in the sort of health bank, you know? Um, So even though I've, I don't have exercise, so I can have a bit of a drink and it doesn't matter if I have a full English roast for lunch with a few glasses of red. Beautiful. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And then you sort of, if you've started your lunch, you've had you've had a couple of drinks at lunchtime over a roast or something like that. Well, then you've got to write the sort of second half of the day off, don't you, really? You can't do any too productive. So then I'd probably sit in front of some sport. Um, the V8s are on at the moment. I'm not a huge V8 fan. Um Bathurst, obviously, I'll, I'll watch that as well. Uh, Rooster Man has been in touch. Um, yeah, so I'd probably watch some sport or dive into some some Netflix. Uh, I don't mind the odd binge of a Netflix if, I, if I've got no work on or anything to worry about. But that's rarely a case, actually. There's always, there's always something to worry about, isn't there? Let us know what you're up to. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. And staying dry is the main thing. Um, as I said, those um, hundreds, if not thousands of people that walked from Palm Beach to Manly today. If any of you guys are listening, uh, drop me a text. 0457736736 or jump on the open line. Better still, 1300 011170. Let me know that you got there safely. I'll be talking to um, or one of the one of those behind um, the bloody long walk. That's what it's called, the bloody long walk. And it is. It is a bloody wet long walk. Today it was too. So um, I don't fancy any of that. Rooster Man says, ideal Sunday at the moment is listening to SEN. Oh, good on you, Rooster Man. And the rain, 
uh, having a cold beer and watching the V8 slide around the track. Hey, Rooster, man, if you are still listening, mate, and I've got them on here, but I've got the volume down. Give me a quick summary. You can go, uh, we can go around the grounds, Rooster Man, uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, a la Eastern Creek, and you can bring us up to speed. Just a, a little synopsis, Rooster Man, if you don't mind, sending me a text through where we are up to. I was just trying to get hold of this um, on here. I think uh, Nick Perkett, I think he's won the top 10 shootout for race 30, which is the um, penultimate race, isn't it, of the whole season. But Shane Van Gisbergen, he was 349 points clear in the championship going into race 30. So if he ends today, Van Gisbergen, with 300 points or more to his name, well, the championship is all wrapped up before we even go to Bathurst. Uh, Not next weekend, the weekend after, isn't it? Well, I think it's a five-day event. So uh, that's what everyone's waiting to see. So the championship could well be wrapped up. Rooster Man, if you're watching it, um, if you can drag yourself away from the fridge uh, where your cold beer is stored, um, give us a synopsis. Give us a round-the-grounds uh, V8 update from the Rooster Man. He says here, listening to SEN and the rain. I've got to say, I love that. I do love listening to the rain. Um, again, if you've got a clear day in terms of your schedule, yeah, I could sit there and listen to the rain, particularly if you've got a, a tin roof. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're getting a bit romantic too. So what about... Yeah, an old log log cabin. I'll play a game with you in a moment too, actually, and our listeners as well. What well, if you've got a log cabin out in the woods? Yeah. You've got a fire on, nice bottle of red, tin roof, rain. Hey, sounding good, isn't it? It's if just, you enjoy your own company, yeah, you'd probably I, like to have someone out there with you. The only thing I'm worried about with the the cabin, Chris, is I'm worried about big bears just probably yeah tracking me down because they do stuff in the woods, bears, don't yes. they? What about North Sydney bears? Mm. Do we want them back, folks, or is that all pie in the sky? I thought when I first read, and they you know they always pop pop their head up when talk, talks of expansion are on North Sydney bears and an iconic brand, and still thousands of fans would love them still to be playing in the first division NRL, but they're not. They are a feeder club, obviously, but is there room to bring them into the competition as the 18th team? But we don't necessarily have to call them North Sydney Bears. Like the Redcliffe Dolphins, they could just be known as the Bears. And they would be a little bit nomadic. They would venture out into the woods if there are woods in regional parts of New South Wales and Queensland because they were going to take a lot of their games to regional areas, but still, um, I guess, revive, reinvigorate the Bears brand. So it's not lost. And the more I thought about it, you know, I thought, you know what? It it, it could make sense. It could make sense. Although there is a, a thought that the, the, the 18th NRL team will again be handed to Queensland. So there's another one throw out there. What are your thoughts um, about the the Bears coming in. We've got uh, another text in here. Brett Lawson, Driver Lotto, uh, Aberfoyle Park. Uh, what you're saying is Driver Lotto. It's just, well, I can hardly see it, actually, because, no, that doesn't, I know you, um, JP's just adjusting the screen here in the studio. That's not helping me. I mean, look at the rain. How bloody dangerous is that? My goodness. And you can hardly see it now on the wide shot. Rain is just teeming down there in Western Sydney, uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. And a lot of uh, motorsport fans do like it when it rains because it's, uh, 
Adds a bit of theatre and drama and a bit of carnage to it as well. Yeah, good luck, fellas. No, leave me out of that. No, thank you. Talking of cars, I had a bit of a problem today because I, as you know, JP, I left my wallet here yesterday after the show. So I'm driving home yesterday and I fancied a coffee. So I pulled into a service station. I often, I called into the same service station two weeks ago, right? I paid for a flat white half sugar. And the lady, God love her, but she was taking forever and it was busy. She was there by herself. She was filling up, paying for people paying for petrol, people paying for groceries, people ordering coffee, people taking away roast chickens. There was a, she was the only person in this in this uh, service station. I won't mention where. And I thought, and I've already paid for the coffee, right? It's only four bucks or whatever it is. And there's another lady behind me. She's already paid for her coffee and a milkshake for her kids, already paid. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the lady behind me, came up to the poor lady serving us and said, look, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We, we haven't got time. So she's paid 20 bucks for a couple of milkshakes and coffee and out she storms. I wait for a bit longer and nah, I've been waiting for 10 minutes for this coffee. I didn't need a coffee that much. So I said to the lady, look, don't worry about making the coffee. I, I can't wait any longer either. So I'm in credit there, $4.50, right? You, you with me so far? Yep. So yesterday... I call into the same place. And this happened two weeks ago. And I thought, I've got four dollars fifty credit here. Now, those that know me, I'm well, I'm not tight, but yeah, I I don't throw money away, other than that betting account which I've closed. So I call back in there yesterday, and I reach in for my wallet, but boom, I've left my wallet here in the studio, and you know because I rang you and you said, yeah, Chris, it's here. So I thought, well, no drama. I've got four dollars fifty credit here. So I walked in. And it was the same lady on. I said, hello, um, I could I have a, a flat white, please? Just a small flat white, regular flat white, half sugar, please. She said, yes. I said, I, I was here two weeks ago and there was a big queue. I paid, but I left. So I, I, I won't need to pay for this one, will I? And I won't try and put what accent she had on, but she basically said, no, sorry, we don't have any record of that. I said, oh, well, oh, okay. what, about the, <laughs> what about the CCTV? It'll prove I was here. Uh, she said, no, we'd have to run up past the manager. I said, really? So I uh, walked out of there. So no wallet, drive home, no wallet. What's for dinner? Because I don't have cash lying around the house. And all my, my credit cards are in there, and I think I had a lazy 20 in my wallet or whatever. Um, so well, I had a couple of beers in the fridge, so I don't, that's not a problem. And I thought, well, for dinner. Well, I thought, I've got to just whatever I've got in the fridge. And I've got a fair bit in there. So I got through that part. But then I've got to get back to work today. And it's a long story, but I've got no petrol. I'm on like, yeah, you, you're very small. Two fingers, like that much. It's just above red. And I reckon I can get from my place to here, which is about 25K away, on that few drops of my petrol tank. And we went to this chat because we we're watching the V8s, right? So this is technically we're talking motorsport or just motoring. Anyway, I got here. And I've also got a spare tank in my car. But it's on empty too. I know. Feel free. Feel free to laugh at me, oh, JP. No, no. I know. I know. So I got here though, but I don't know how many drip drops of petrol I've got in the main tank to get me to the nearest service station on the way home now that I've got my wallet and I can buy some fuel. Anyway, that, so that's that's my drama. So I'm also going to ask our listeners out there, 
Uh, any of you, why do we let it get so low? I do it all the time. I do it all the bloody time. And I've got a spare tank. And the number of times I've actually run out of petrol and clicked the button on the spare, it's probably a dozen times. Why don't I learn? Why don't we learn from our mistakes? We'll go back to our topic about yesterday, Chris. Why do we? Why do people fill up every week when we talk when petrol prices are just guy? I never fill up. That's the trouble. I never fill up. I don't think I have ever filled up my petrol tank, and I've been driving since I was seventeen. There you go. Am I strange for doing that, or are other people? Do most people fill up? I generally put about twenty or thirty bucks in there. And I've got a theory behind it. And you rev heads, you motorsport heads that follow your F1 and V8s will weigh in on this conversation, uh, Rooster Man, Tool Man, or you guys watching the, the motorsport or whatever. Do you know what my bizarre warped rationale is for not filling up? What would that be, Chris? Okay, you think about this. You pour however many litres go into your car. I know I don't know how many litres go into your car. 70? Mine's about 50, 60. 50, 60. That's pretty heavy, right? So I see it like this. All that weight from that juice in your car oh, is weight. actually burning up more juice from the weight. Are you hearing me? Yes, I am, Chris. Is there some logic to there this? There is logic to this. I've I heard, know. I've, probably I've heard this cost sort of me. Smith story. Yeah, I've heard, heard about this Smith, yeah. Over a course of 400 Ks, it's probably going to cost me 15 cents yes. extra by mm-hmm. filling up. It's pretty warped logic, but you know where I'm yes. going. So I just throw 30 bucks in there and you've only got a quarter of a tank or whatever. And I would have thought that would be more economical for the car to be lighter. That's true. But the trouble is I often run out of petrol. So there it is. Anyone else out there like me have a real problem in in not learning from our past mistakes and and maybe filling up a little more often? They're just some of the, the thoughts I'm throwing out there to our listeners. During the last break, you, because you, I, I know we've only met a few weeks ago, yeah. but you are an absolute sports nut. Mm-hmm. I love sport. You're a bit weird. You like to say he takes it to the next level. You take it to the next level. You do. Because you were telling me that your parents would come out and say, uh, JP, why are you watching the darts at 5am in the morning? Mm-hmm. You're, a, you're a darts fan. Yes, I'm a darts fan. And you could even tell us when the next big event is. Yes, and where. So, so currently it's on right now. I think it's the World uh, Grand Prix of Darts. Which it's on is now. A, it's on now, yeah. I think the final's on tomorrow. I don't know who's playing it, but it's my favourite event in the darts calendar. It's the it's weird because they they call it the 2022 World Darts Championship, but it starts like, like, I think, the 21st of December. Wow. At the Alexandra Palace. Ali Pally? Yes. Ali Pally. Never been there. I lived in London for 10, well, 12 years. Never went. That's that's up near Tottenham. Not, yes. North London. I mm. was the other side. That's why I never went there. Mm. But it looks really, it looks majestic. Mm. Well, it probably would because it's a former palace. Mm. So it would look majestic. Do you know what? This could be your lucky day. Mm-hmm. Well, not your lucky day. Weren't the World Darts, weren't they here a few years ago? I Did they come through Sydney about five years ago? There was a professional darts. The PDC were here. Yes. And I think it was Luna Park playing. Yeah. I think it was two days. They bought. They had Phil the, the Power Taylor. Or the Star, maybe. Can't maybe, remember. They had Phil the Power Taylor, Raymond yes. Van Varnabeld, um, Michael Van Gerwen. 180! 
And when I just, it's actually not the darts. It's Have the, you ever hit a 180? No, nah. I can't. I just love the crowd in the darts just gone. Well, is it off. the only sport where you can hold a, a pint or a schooner? <laughs> you probably would think so. I can't. Uh, do they, are they allowed to still? No, they drink water on stage, Chris. But I think back they in the old to. days. Yeah. And they'd have a durry out the side of their mm. mouth too. Mm. Darts. Is that a sport, really? Well, Chris, if breakdance is an Olympic sport in 2024. But I didn't. Okay. Okay. So you're saying to me that by definition of sport, it's at the Olympics. So darts mm. is not a sport. I think it should be. What is sport, listeners? Mm. What is sport? Does it have to be at the Olympics? Does there have to be athleticism involved? Because I would point to you, Justice of the Peace, that there is sweet FA athleticism involved in darts. Hand-eye coordination, yes. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be fit. No, you don't. You can just, as they say, Chris, you can just be an average Joe of the straight. Well, you and me. Yeah, and we just... I'm terrible at darts. Just play like probably six six feet away from the board and just... Aiming treble 20 several times, and you go treble 20, treble 19, double 12 for the five for the nine dart finish. You do know your darts. I'm more around the clock sort of guy. Mm-hmm. Play with the kids, you know? You ever played? Of course you have. Around the yep, clock. Around the clock. That's yep. the easiest game. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another question for our listeners. What is sport? Is darts really sport? I was going to say to you, the head of their media department is a mate of mine who I used to work with in London. Okay. And I haven't spoken to him for yonks, but uh, I'll try and maybe... Why don't we try and get the Phil Taylor on or something? Talk some darts just for you. Because, I'm like, like I said, the world champion. Like it might put our other listeners to sleep. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to try and do that for you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You're an important part of the show. Yeah. No, well, that's, that's, that's kind of guy I am. Thank yeah. you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Thank you, Chris. Uh, altruism. I'm an altruistic mm-hmm. sort of guy. I think that's the right mm-hmm. word anyway. Um, anyway, uh, Rooster Man, you were going to give me an update, but you haven't as yet to what's happening out there at Motorsport Park. Um, you make a lot of sense about fuel. Uh, this is uh, Tim the Tool Man. <laughs> you make a lot of a bit of sense about fuel, but many would say you are a tight ass. Uh, not me, but many would say you're a tight ass, Chris. That's from the Tool Man. Thanks, Tooley. Uh, I hope you're doing well too, mate. It's uh, not the main game at Eastern Creek at the moment. It's the Super 2 Series. Ah, thank you. I reserve grade. Why have we got this on then? I don't want to watch reserve grade. If they're the Reggies running around, uh, the main game's a bit later on. Uh, again, from the tool man. Where will we be without Tooley? Uh, no uh, name on this text to here. Um, just Panthers to win. And then there's a uh, an emoji, um, a cup, a trophy to win the grand final. And dogs get the spoon. Where is the love? Uh Panthers fans, again, throwing it out to you. Um, get in touch with us. I want to know how you feel about losing Billy Army the year after next. I guess it's just about economics, isn't it? And you, you know, when the big gets successful, you've got to pay your players more and uh, the salary cap gets squeezed and inevitably you will have some of your stars um, headhunted by other clubs. We all get that. And I know you, you understand how it all works. But what you don't want to see is it rubbed in your face, do you? with him being paraded in the uh, the Bulldogs' colours um, more than a year before he joins the club. You're listening to Sports Central. It's 18 past two. This is Sports Central on SEN. You bet it is. Uh, apologies for the delay there. That's like that's like that gag too. Um, that was like the uh, the bear. 
the polar bear that walked into the bar. Yeah, I, I know yeah. that you mean there. Just chasing the goes, ah! No, no, the polar bear walked into the bar. Oh, sorry. And the barman said, why the long pause? pause. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. <laughs> I've been in here a while. I've been in here a while. Now, uh, we're going to talk a bit of boxing as well as uh, all sorts of stuff on this program. We go down all sorts of avenues as well. Make no apologies for that. Billy Dib, uh, Billy Dib, two-time world champion, and a friend of the show, friend of the program, Billy the Kid Dib. Come on in, brother. How are you, mate? Yeah, really well, Chris. How you doing, mate? You well? Yes, I'm well. Uh, we're doing our best. We're doing our best here and loads happening in the world of boxing. What are you doing on this Sunday? Because I called you a moment ago and fair dinkum, it sounded like you were at a carnival with a 1,001 kids. Yeah, well, today's my uh, son's second birthday. So oh. we just we just having a little something at home for him, just a little uh, get-together at home. So that's about it. Oh, mate, that's lovely. Two years of age, did you say? Yeah, two years now, mate, two years and growing. They can be tricky too, can't they? I tell you what, it gets oh, better. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he's great. He's great, mate. He's a, he's a good kid. So How many we're, you got? really proud of him. i got one. Just got the one son. His name's Leif. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Oh, well, mate, I'm apologies for disrupting his uh, little birthday party. So no, no, I'm good. There's, there's another big fight on today as well, so I'm just... Uh, yeah, we'll I'm talk about that as well. So we'll talk yeah. about that in a moment. So we got... Um, have you done the fairy? What do you got? The the fairy bread and the cupcakes and all that? Or or what sort mate, of... Mate, we've, we've got it all happening. We've got the jelly cups and the cake, the, uh, the fruit oh, cake. and nice. Uh, it's all happening. <laughs> they can't have fizzy drink, though, can they, at that age? Yes. Nah, no. nah, mate. He's, no. he's, all right. he's all right with a bottle of water. He's okay. Good boy, good boy. Righto, let's talk a bit of um, boxing. You uh, alluded to that big fight on. That's probably in a couple of hours, or not even, maybe even less than that, uh, Terence Crawford and Sean Porter. We'll talk about that in a minute. Before we do that, let's just, can we rewind a bit, mate, first, and just go back to the uh, the fight midweek. And I know that you uh, you jumped on the line and gave us your running commentary slash score uh, with Timmy Zhu and Takeshi Inouye. My goodness, he's a he's a strong character, isn't he? Um, the Japanese fighter, and I dare say if they were still fighting now, he, he'd probably still not go down. Yeah, look, the Japs are built tough, mate. They um they come to fight and they um you know they got that samurai mentality. And so you know obviously Tim was going to be in, a, in for a hard night, and as you guys saw, it was it was a difficult night in the office. But Tim uh, passed with flying colours, and um, you know uh, that's the difference between a guy that's ranked number one and a guy that's ranked number seven or number six. So mm. you know Tim showed his, Tim showed his class and uh, put on a good boxing clinic. I guess he did what he had to do, um, and there was probably a, a stage during the fight, and correct me, Billy Dib, if I'm wrong, that he sort of realised that, you know what, I, I'm not going to be able to knock this guy out. Yeah, look, you know, uh, you know, I don't think he ever stopped trying to knock the guy out, even up until round 11, he was mm. lending some bombs on the kid, but then I think he sort of got the picture that, you know, Inouye wasn't going anywhere, and he was there to, there to stay, and... You know, uh, the best thing that Tim did was just, you know, box his way to a decision at the end because, um, you know, you don't want to take that. We've lost you there, Billy. You, you there? You're okay? You still with us, Billy, or is someone... Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm oh, with you. I'm okay. with you. I thought the, the little one might have just landed one, a little tickler under nah, the ribs nah, or something. Nah. No, you're all good. Okay, so yeah, is, is it a concern? Mate. It's no concern then that he couldn't find the knockout blow then? 
Yeah, look, it's uh, you know at the end of the day, as I said, you know, it's uh, Tim. Tim got the great victory on points, and um, you know there was no need to go. For, you know, you don't want to be in position to get hit yourself. Uh, we've lost you again, Billy. We've lost oh, you again. You might have to go. Um, you might have to go. Chris, you there, mate? I've got you now. You're back on deck. Yeah. You're mate, just sort of drifting. You I can hear you. You're drifting in and out. Can you hear us? You can't in and out, mate. I've got you. You got me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, mate. All right, good, good, good. I thought you, we'd lost you again. Um, I, I was saying to you, is it, a, is it a concern for Tim Zoo that he couldn't find the knockout blow um, and that might be something that he, he needs to develop? Yeah, look, it's 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 not that. Yeah, we might leave it there, eh? And we'll try, Billy. Hang up on Billy and uh, we'll, we'll give him a call back because that was a, um, a dreadful line that we got there. I still want to talk about um, ferocious George Camposis Jr. He's got a fight in about a week, I think that is, um, or not even. And um, then we've got the big fight this afternoon, Terence Crawford. Um, so that's in, a, in a, an hour or so, I guess it might be. Uh, he's unbeaten. And his uh, WBO uh, welterweight crown is is on the line. You back there, Billy Boy? Yeah, I'm him here, Chris. Can you hear me, mate? Yeah, I've got you. Um, George Cambosis Jr., uh, when is that fight? That must be approaching us. Yeah, so seven days away from today, George gets his opportunity to face T. Freeman Lopez for uh, what they say is the undisputed championship of the world. So, mm. um, you know, God willing, uh, George will do a good job of it and uh, bring home them belts. Undisputed. So what weight are we talking there with Ferocious George? We're talking about the lightweight division, which is uh, about 61.2 kilograms. 61.2. Okay, so quite a bit uh, smaller than... Uh, and you got a couple of world championships across two different weights, didn't you? Yeah, so I managed to win a world championship at featherweight, which is a 57.2 kilograms, and oh, then teeny 59 weeny. as well. Yeah, yeah. And then I won one at super feather, which is 59 kilograms. What are you walking around at these days? About 66 at the moment. So I'm, I'm mm. campaigning at lightweight now myself, so I'm trying to... Um, work my way into a position to fight for the lightweight championship. So we'll just have to see what happens. Mm. How do you fancy his chances, George, against Tiafimo? Honestly, it's a, it's an uphill battle, but, uh, mm. you know, George has left no stone unturned and he's worked extremely hard in the preparation. Uh, we've seen that, you know, the kid's been very dedicated to the sport and, um, you know, he, he's put everything on the line. So, you know, when you do that, um, you can only hope for good results. But obviously, he's up against it with Tiafimo. Tiafimo is a fantastic, um, uh, you know, fighter mm. and he's a fantastic talent. And um, George would definitely be up against it. But we just got to, you know, hopefully hopefully all of Australia is in his corner. Well, that's the thing. And we want to be. And I was asking uh, Mark Warren, uh, my brother, who's got Rocked Podcast. He jumped on the line. Uh, when was it? Yesterday it was, in fact. And I was asking him, uh, Billy, I'm talking to Billy Dibb, by the way. I was asking him, why Why do we all know? We, we know about Tim Zoo, don't we? Um, but we we, none, we don't hear too much about George Cambosis Jr. And, and what he's about to do is just amazing if he can unify these belts. Yeah, that's correct. You know, I'll be honest with you, um, uh, Chris. The, the thing is, mate, is that once the Australian public gets on board, you know, Tim, Tim's got a great promotional company behind him in No mm. Limit, um, which, which which works closely with the Daily Telegraph, who works closely with main events. 
Yep. And so, you know, Australia's been able to build this mainstream star in Tim Zhu. Mm. Um, you know, but without without the media support, Tim would be nobody. Tim wouldn't mm. be recognised. He'd still be fighting in club shows. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of kids that are in the same boat. But if a promotional company gets behind the fighter and, you know, gives him the recognition and, and helps him get in newspaper, yeah. these, these promotional companies, they pay they pay the Daily Telegraph and they pay the networks to, to publicize Tim. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come for free. It's obviously all paid for, but that's what that's what promoting the kids all about. So that's why mm. you get 10,000 fans at the at the, at the the venue the other night because they've spent a lot of money on, you know, making sure that they publicize mm. Tim and get him out there. So you know, yeah, I get I get that. So he's got he's got the right people in his corner promotionally and commercially. Um, exactly. I get I get all of that. Um, but also, I mean, all the stars have to line up, don't they? You can have all the marketing people, the promotion people, the best trainers, whatever, the best, uh, very good marketable surname as well. But you still got to be able to throw them. And he's twenty and zero. Well, look, look. If Tim couldn't fight, no one could help him. Absolutely. The fact that he the fact that he can fight is a is a big plus factor. You know, the kid puts his punches together, he trains really hard, and you can't take nothing away from him. Hence the reason why he's getting that attention, because let me tell you something, he mm. can get all the attention of the world, but if he can't get a victory, then nobody's going to follow him. Not, wor- not worth a, a, a tinker's cuss. So George Cambosis Jr. then, so he's seven days away from a major, major world title fight, albeit at a, at a lighter weight than, than Tim Zhu. We should be hearing a lot more about this fella. I definitely look. Here's the thing: Tim Zhu's father, Costa Zhu, was the unified champion of the world at yep. uh, a super super lightweight, which is at 63.5 kilograms, mm-hmm. junior welterweight. Now, um, George is fighting for the unified championships as well. It's it's considered the undisputed championship, but really it's not because the the WBC title is held by Devin Haney. Mm. So if George Cambosis wins. He's then the IBF champion, the WBO champion, the WBA champion, the mm. WBC franchise champion, and the ring magazine champion, which wow. makes him nearly undisputed. All he'd have to do is basically force a fight with Devin Haney to win the undisputed championship. That would by far be the greatest achievement in Australian boxing history. My you Lord. know, that's not taking anything away from uh, Jeff Fennick or Jeff Harding, Costa Zoo, any of the great fighters that came before him, but to become the undisputed champion is just something that is amazing. You know, at the moment in the history of boxing, there's only been six undisputed champions. And uh, and George is on the cusp of maybe becoming one of those. So, wow. you know, obviously if he wins it, he's going to be a star. And uh, and, you can, and you can tell by what he's getting paid for this fight. You know, he's getting close to a million dollars for this fight. So the kid, you know, has worked his, worked his backside off and he's finally getting, you know, ripping the rewards for his hard work. There you go, hey. There you go. What a fight! And you said it's an uphill battle for him against Lopez. Look, it is. Uh, Tifimo Lopez is a sensational talent, and uh, the world of boxing really knows Tifimo, and they really support him. Uh, he's a phenomenal puncher, and uh, you know he just knows how to finish an opponent off. And uh, hopefully, George is not caught up in the firing line because if he is, it could be lights out early. But I spoke to George before he left, and I said to him, mate, just keep your hands up, box smart, show him your speed, give him angles, and, mate, God willing, you bring back that victory. Yeah, well, we're all behind him, and, I, and I, I, you know, I, I'll do as, as much as we can to help um, this George Cambosis Jr. publicity machine kick into overdrive, but you've just pointed out how big a fight that is uh, in a week's time from now. In about an hour, I, I think it's about an hour away, isn't it? Um, so Terence Crawford, he's 34 years of age, uh, widely regarded as one of the world's best pound-for-pound uh, pound boxers, has not been beaten, 37-0, 28 by KO. 
and uh, it's a 13-year professional career. Some would say that, um, you know, he hasn't fought all the big guns. At least that's what his opponent would like us to believe, uh, Sean Porter. It's not that he hasn't fought him, it's that they haven't fought him. Mm. You know, he's, he's a very avoided, um, very avoided champion. Mm. Terence Crawford is an absolute phenom in the boxing um, industry. He's in, he's in the top five pound for pound for pound list right now, and his 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 talents are unbelievable. His skill, his speed, uh, his agility, everything that he brings to the ring is just um, on the on the um, unbelievable spectrum. You know, he's, he's he's a sensational talent, and I just think that. The world of boxing is going to see a special um, uh, performance stated by Terence Crawford. That's taken nothing away from Sean Porter, who is a phenomenal champion himself. But this is what the boxing world wants to see. They want to see great fighters facing great fighters, and this is what you're getting today. Mm. How long do you think it will go? How do you think the fight will, will unfold? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's going to end by a stoppage or anything like that, but I, I actually feel that Terence Crawford um, has the ability to stop Porter. Porter has the ability to stop him too. You know, boxing is one punch and 10 seconds away from disaster, but I feel that um, I just feel that Terence Crawford is going to be a bit too much, and I think he'll box his way to a 12-round unanimous decision and uh, retain mm. his WBO welterweight championship. All right, Billy. Uh, before you go, too, mate, just back on Timmy Zoo, and, and um, not many of us know, well, well, if you're outside the boxing fraternity, his younger brother, Nikita. Tell us a bit about Nikita. So this has taken, again, nothing away from Tim Zoo because Tim's a great talent, but... Um, in the older days, um, back when he, him and Nikita were fighting in the amateurs, his, bro- his brother Nikita was an outstanding talent mm. and one that was highly touted. And a lot of people felt that he had the ability to do great things in the sport of boxing. He stepped away from the sport, I guess, because he was a little bit upset with his father at the time and mm. had nothing to do with the sport or nothing to do with what his dad had, you know, mm. was involved in. So, but now he's, I think he's found that spark again. He's found the hunger and he's coming back to the sport of boxing. And I'll tell you something, this kid's going to put the boxing sport on notice because he's wow. an unbelievable fighter. Wow. Look, this is, again, taking nothing away from Tim, but he is a much, much better talent than Tim was My as goodness. an amateur. Obviously, Tim's progressed a lot now, mm. but in his time, I think Tim will tell you himself, Nikita was an absolute um, phenom. He was mm. phenomenal as an amateur. He was great. He could have done some great things in amateur boxing, but he decided to step away and and now he's making his return to the ring as a professional. And I think, you know, with the help of his grandfather, Boris, and with the, with his management team and, um, you know, his uncle, Igor, I think you'll see that he'll do some great, great things. Gee, that's a big rap, Billy Dib. So how is Nikita's yeah, no. a couple of years younger than Tim, is he? Yeah, he is a couple of years younger than Tim. He's, he, mate, I'll tell you now, this kid, Nikita, has got world championship material written all over him. Wow. You wait and see, guys. Once yeah. he turns pro, he's going to light up the, the pro game. And I just feel like, He's, and, and to top it off, guys, he's a southpaw. He's not orthodox. He's a yeah. southpaw, which makes it even more difficult. So, you know, I think the boxing fraternity right now is in a really healthy position in regards to Australian boxing. There's another really big fight that's um, being talked about, which is Bilal Dib versus Paul Fleming. That's going to be another big fight. You Your know, bro, um, yeah, yeah. Tell When's that on? So, so that's bragging rights there, right there. That's going to be early next year, February. And I think Bilal versus um, Paul will be for a, a position in the top five in the world. What weight is Bilal at? What weight's, what weight's he fighting he, at? He fights, he fights a super featherweight. So mm-hmm. it's another massive fight. Um, you know, both him and Paul were stable mates once upon a time. We were all stable mates at once upon a time. But mm. now Bilal, and uh, with Paul training with another team, you know, um, Bilal, who's a relative of mine, now gets his opportunity to, you know, step in against Paul and work out who the best super featherweight in Australia is right now. 
Well, there he is. You're hearing you're hearing some good stuff, aren't you, from uh, two-time world champion Billy Dib, friend of uh, friend of the show, a friend of us, friend of ours, and um, he's tipping some big things. He, he's put it into perspective what this fight in a week's time for George Cambosis Jr. will do. Um, he's also told us that uh, Nikita Zhu is equal, if not better, he thinks, than his brother Tim Zhu, and his own bro uh, Bill Ale has got some good fights coming up too in February. Uh, Billy, thanks for chatting, mate, and go back to your little fellow. Hope you. Enjoy the rest of his birthday. Thank you, guys. Take care. God bless. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the fights today. Great stuff. We will, mate. Thank you. Uh, Billy Dib. Billy Dib. Um, you want to talk to someone that knows boxing, and it's always good to talk to a world champion, isn't it? Former world champion. Uh, it is coming up to 21 minutes to three. This is Sports Central on SEN. And coming up to, what is it, 17 minutes to 3 o'clock, Chris Warren with you and um, JP, Justice of the Peace. We've established already today that he's um, he's a bit different. He's a bit strange. He's a bit out there. He's uh, next level. He's a uh, sports tragic. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if he's even rung up here and said to the bosses, oh, I will come in and I will pay you uh, to come in and, and work in sports radio because he just loves it, which is great. It's great. Is that, it's is it's fantastic. It's fantastic, Chris. <laughs> Uh, you've, you you love the darts. You love everything. Oh, is well, there a sport you don't like? It's, it's come on, it's, now, I, would, it, I would say this: it's gymnastics because I wish I was that athletic. If you're saying with all the flipping and all that, I can't do that. Flipping hell, but I well, you got to admire some of the stuff yeah. they can do on yes. those vaults and yes, oh, yeah. Wouldn't you love to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. It's. I still think. Remember the wide world of sports when I think of that bloke oh, who runs into the, yes. <laughs> the pommel horse. Well, why don't we find that? I'll try and look in for the that. break. You find that. I want yep. to play that. Um, what was? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you find that because that's that's a, that's a classic. That one. One man who um, I don't know that he's ever been on a vault or a, or a horse. He may have well been on a pony with a saddle. Is uh, a bloke called Sixties from the Cumberland Throw, and this guy he is a rugby league tragic. He more to the point is a Parramatta Eels tragic, and he's been joining us uh, throughout the season on my Higher Ground show. He's joining us now. It's a very good afternoon, a wet afternoon to Sixties from the Cumberland Throw. How are you, Chris? Mate, good to I'm, be here. I'm good. You don't. I don't. We've never actually met, have we? Sixties in the flesh, but you no, don't no. strike me as the overly athletic kind. <laughs> Mate, look, I've enjoyed <laughs> playing my sport in my in my life, but I, I, let me just quickly relate to you that when I was a young child, I used to go to Police Boys Club, the old Police Boys Club in Parramatta, and I was built for weightlifting. Yeah. And the yeah. very first week, you have to go into gymnastics. And I was asked, literally straight up, to do a diving forward roll over a poor young fella that was in front of me. This is me, eight, nine years of age. Yes. Um, yeah, he didn't fare very well. Mate, do you know what, <laughs> 60s? You and I have got something else in common because I've been to exactly the same police club boys, police boys club, and I also had to do gymnastics for the first week. And I was also yes. about the age of 10 or 12 or something. Yes, yeah, that was... It seems like a rite of passage back in the day, wasn't it, mate? You it know? had that like, smell about yeah. it, didn't it? That club, it had that old smell. Do <laughs> yeah. you know the one? You know the smell? It's uh, quite yeah. unique. Yes, yes. I used to just hang out for the paddle pops at halfway through the day, yeah. halfway through the evening. That was. <laughs> and then I wanted to get into the uh, the judo because I loved the white capes that they wore. You know, the robes. I wanted one of them, but <laughs> yeah, it didn't end. It didn't end well for me. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Listen, what's happening out there at, at Parramatta Land? Um, good news that you're finally 
uh, wrapped up Clint Gutherson, your skipper. But it's taken a while. It has, mate. It's you know what? It's there's always something going on, isn't there? If you're an Eels supporter, there's a, there's always something to grab your attention and keep you on the edge of the seat. And probably the majority of the time, it's not on field stuff. It's generally, you know, be it uh, contracts or something or other going on. I mean, we're very much heading in the right direction, mind you. But, you know, it's you have to expect um, things to have their little hiccups along the way as, as an Eels supporter. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, yeah, you've, you've got me on the right day because if it had been before yesterday, before we got the news about Clint Gutherson extending with the Eels... Maybe I might have been been feeling a little bit more down in the dumps about what's been happening lately. What's the vibe like around the, the terraces, the fans, on the chat boards, the forums, because you're in the midst of all that? Um, what, what's the general feeling? Look, I think it's a, I think there's a bit of a mixed bag feeling. Um, and, and just to explain a little bit with that, if, if I can just for a moment, um, I suppose, look at what, Parramatta's cap management is like because I've got a perspective that I have on Parramatta's cap management and there's probably people like me who might have a similar uh, perspective on it and we feel a certain way. So my my look at it is this. Parramatta has come from a place where we overspent on players and it got us into the salary cap dramas that we ended up with in 2016. We were trying to find ways to pay for players. And I'm not talking about necessarily players that were at the top of the tree in the NRL. Mm. We were just overpaying for players and got into trouble. Now what we have is a system which you'd almost call a socialist salary cap. And by that, I mean, we've got no million-dollar players. Mm. We've got uh, Mitch Moses, who'd be like at the top of the tree. Then you've got probably... Gutho and Dylan Brown, who'd be a little bit below what Mitch Moses is on. And the rumour is that Gutho's just signed for, um, what, about seven fifty, seven sixty thousand a season. Now, mm. I don't think that's too different to what he's on now. Then what you've got is a whole heap of players who are on that sort of middle to, um, you know, really decent sort of salaries that they're on, but nothing extravagant. And we've got a whole lot of... of NRL players on that. And then at the other end of the scale, you've got the outliers that are on the opportunity contracts or the Young Pathways players contracts, that sort of thing. So what we've got is a a salary cap based on assembling like a really healthy roster, a really competitive roster. Mm. And the and obviously the criticism is we haven't got the superstars, we're not got we haven't got any players that are going to blow the opposition off the pack. Arguably Moses could be that sort of person. But we haven't got anyone that fits into the, that category. But if, if in that recent loss of uh, Nikore and uh, Papali'i, mm. they were pushing the salaries offered to them from other clubs were pushing them out of that salary range that Parramatta is comfortable with, mm. with a large number of their players. And as soon as you start doing that, as a club, I think you're having to reevaluate your entire. Mm. strategies around salary and I think that was why we lost those players well, we just couldn't fit them in yeah and I, I get how you, how you I get that perspective and it's, a, it's a, a very mature way of looking at it too but it's a realistic way clubs that do start paying overs it doesn't take too long before their salary cap is bent out of shape and they are in pro, in trouble and uh, we take it look back at the Bulldogs a few years ago and once you get into salary cap dramas it can take years for that to unravel. 
Um, so I guess it's astute what, what Parramatta are doing, sort of fiscally astute. That sounds a bit wanky, doesn't me saying that, but they're keeping their books <laughs> keeping their books in order. Um, you haven't strengthened, though. You haven't strengthened, have you, for next season? So you'd say that looking at next season, and this is 2022, those players aren't a loss for 2022. So we're going mm. into next season with a very similar roster, you know, albeit with, without the likes of Fergo. But we're yeah. going into into it with a very similar roster to this year. Mm. And then I look at the at uh, at who's on the other, uh, who the opposition is that from this year's final series, and you go, hang on, the Storm have lost some significant players for next year. Yeah. The Panthers have lost a couple of significant players for next year. The Rabbitohs have lost their coach and a couple mm. of significant players for next year. The club that I reckon will be in the stronger position, not necessarily because they've added players, but simply because I think they've grown during the year this year, is Manly. Yeah. So I actually think the likes of Manly and Parramatta, who haven't really lost mm. significant players, will... I think compare favourably to this year simply because against the the other contenders from this year, they're they're stacking up reasonably well. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess st- stability in in the roster is the key, and there's a bit of similarities there with Manly. So I can see your approach there. Uh, Sharky has sent me a text in. Parramatta is heading the right way. Yep, the right way to slide down the table next year. Sharky from Nowra. Don't take too much of notice of Sharky though. He, he, he good <laughs> good fella, but you've all got your own uh, own opinion. Thanks for getting in touch there, Sharky. You've been at training, so the Eels are back at training. I'm talking to Sixties, and he's the uh, what are you? The author, the boss of cumberlandthrow.com.au how are they all looking how are they feeling and of course Brad Arthur has extended his deal too yeah so uh, I started I, most of the team are back there now so I believe there's a, a few younger ones there last week uh, when I went there on Monday there was only a group of about 14 of them and then uh, come Wednesday there was uh, 27 players there now that doesn't include all the uh, seasoned NRL players who get a little bit longer in their in their uh, annual leave that they're allowed to take. Mm. So I believe they'll be back by the start of December. Uh, those players. Um, so yeah, they they they're back there. Um, obviously, all the conditioning stuff that they get into. But uh, as we find nowadays, that there, there once was a time where before Christmas you'd see not too much else except for conditioning, mm. and you know. But now. Uh, they're, they're into the ball work already. They're into defensive drills. It's um, straight from the straight from the get go. They're they're talking footy, and um, and it was also good to see um, a couple of the coaching consultants and staff that have been added for next year um, down there already. So uh, we got to see uh, Paul McGregor. I had a bit of a quick chat with him, mm. and also Simon Wolford, who's taking over the. Uh, the coaching duties of Jersey Flegg, and I, I believe he'll ha- he has a bit more of an extended role at the club. Beside that, I don't know too much about that, but he was also down there at Eels training on uh, Friday. Mm. All right, mate, uh, I'll let you go. Um, uh, appreciate you jumping on the line, sixties, and we'll, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, uh, my pleasure, mate. Always happy to come on and uh, go the Eels. Great stuff. There is sixties from the Cumberland throw. Go the Eels. It's coming up to six to three. 
You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Almost on the stroke of uh, three o'clock. I hope you are enjoying your afternoon. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rainy old, yucky afternoon in Sydney town. Uh, the sort of day where you just sort of maybe not even leave the home. If there's enough sport on and there's the V8s are on too. Uh, I'm not quite sure where we're up to um, with the uh, the V8s though. Uh, I don't think we've got the main game, but um, there's a text that have come through here from Rooster Man. Chaos though in all the support cars events out there at Eastern Creek. Nick Perkett fastest in V8 qualifying. Dave Reynolds went from 10th to 3rd in the shootout. Um, and uh, Rooster Man saying, watch all the support cars as they are flying all over the track. Again, these pictures coming in courtesy of Channel 7. Uh, who's that? That's Jess Yates there, I think, too. Uh, they're all under the umbrella. So dangerous conditions. And, uh, again, if you're out on the roads, um, just drive to the conditions. Leave a bit of extra space. Leave a bit of extra time. A little bit of room for error if things do go um, the wrong way out there on the, the wet and greasy roads. I had another email or a text in here to... Um, where is it now? It's gone. Hang on a sec. Hang on a second. Just bear with me. Um, ideal Sunday at the moment, listening to SEN in the heavy rain. Uh, that's from the Rooster Man earlier. Um, and here's an update number two from uh, the Rooster Man. Ideal Sunday update Update number two. I was asking him, what are you doing? What do you do on a day like this? You know, an ideal Sunday when it's a shh. Not a nice day out there, yeah? Rooster Man says, uh, beer and cars. But barbecue about to crank up with scotch fillets ready to enter the flames. Rooster Man, you're making me hungry. Yeah, the scotch fillet. It's probably my favourite cut, the scotch fillet. Bit fatty, a little bit, but you want a bit of that grainy sort of fat going through it, don't you? I've got to say, do like a rump steak. Mm. I know it's it's the basic rump, but I it's got its own distinct flavour. The fillet, I don't think, has enough as the same amount of taste as rump, the fillet, the thick eye fillets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about your cut? What's your favourite cut of meat? It doesn't have to be steak. I'm just a solid, What's your t- fav- solid T-bone. I haven't had a T-bone for donkey's years. I have not had a T-bone, I would say, for 20 years. Really? Are they that common still? We used to have them all the time. I remember you used to go to the barbecues. There'd always be rump and T-bones. Have not had a T-bone. I tell you when, since, since mad cow disease. Oh, Chris, you need to film your win. When, when was that? that? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe. I'm bit... talking two decades ago. No, I'm How thinking old are you? late 90s. You're in your 20s? No, 31. You're 31. Yeah. Mad cow disease. When did that hit? Was I overseas at the time? I think I was. Mm. I was in the UK. Haven't had a T bone. There you go. It's always good with on top of the barbecue sauce and gravy on top. Oh, no. You don't spoil a good steak with gravy. Or even sauce, if it's a good steak, you don't even put any sauce on it. Don't even show it the bottle of Heinz. No, that's sacrilege. No, wait, 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 wait. But you know the T-bone, right? You know you know the little part. That is actually your fillet. That is fillet steak. And then the other part is your sirloin. Oh, okay. Now, a mate of mine loves his sirloin. He swears by his, his sirloin. The quarterback who joins us on the show occasionally, he thinks he's somewhat of a chef too. He wouldn't come on today. I said, come on and talk about the NFL tomorrow. What's going on? Oh, I can't, mate. can't. Got a 40th birthday going on a cruise. Oh, oh good oh. luck out there. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you got your brolly with your quarterback. You've ditched me for a bloody 40th cruise out there where on Pitwater or somewhere. You and your, yeah, Ahoy Palloy. 
Uh, those uh, on the northern beaches there with a bit of cash out in the, with the or sailors, boaties. Mm, he's ditched us for them. Uh, anyway, yeah, keep the uh, Shane from Blacktown, and he says, uh, look, just there with Billy Dib chat. No mention of Brock Jarvis. He's about to uh, really light up Australian boxing. Shane, I'm a huge fan of Brock Jarvis, and we've had Jeff Fennick on here a couple of times, actually, talking about Brock and the future of Brock, and you're right, mate. Uh, when we talk about the health of, of Aussie boxing at the moment, Brock is is front and centre of that conversation for sure. I, right, okay, so I'll put my hand up and I'll say, if I don't know something, I'll be honest about it. I'm not sure if the next opponent has been confirmed for Brock, but I thought that he was going to be part of the undercard of George Cambosas Jr. and TFMO Lopez. I thought Brock Jarvis was going to be on that card. Uh, I tell you what, I might delve into my um, my contacts, my boxing contacts, and we might even get one of them on the line later on in this hour to talk a little bit more boxing because that fight, uh, the Terence Crawford fight, probably will start in about 10 minutes or so. So uh, I might get uh, the, the old bro on, uh, Mark, from Rocked Podcast. You said you, uh, one of your favourite, no, you said you hate gymnastics. I'm talking to Justice of the Peace here. Mm-hmm. Is that because you had some any misfortune as a, as a child doing gymnastics? I just didn't enjoy it, Chris. No, no, I did enjoy it, but I was no good at it. I loved the thought of bouncing off that tramp onto that horse, the pommel horse, and maybe doing a flip and a twist, but I could never do it. It's but the, I admire those that can. It's that fly in the air. Like, yeah, it looks good. It's like when you're younger, Chris, I, you go to yourself, I wish I could fly. You go to your parents going, I wish I could fly. He goes, uh, son... There's no chance of you flying. The only chance of you will be flying is if you're if you're a gymnast. Yeah, well, yeah. It can be quite dangerous, gymnastics. And you were talking about the Billy Birmingham 12th man. Yeah. Um, but did you find that commentary? I forget I, his I name. I couldn't find the commentary, but I know the bloke. His name is Brian Meeker, and this is what it could have sounded like. Oh. Brian right. charges down the runway. But then... Oh, jeez. Oh, he slams into the pommel horse with tremendous force and collapses oh. in agony. Jeez. Well, that was radio. I'm glad our listeners didn't see that. Yeah. I mean, was he a father? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I hope he was before that. Um, what was his name? Brian Meeker. Jeez, Meeker. Brian. Brian. Um, no text name on this one, but it's saying the tomahawk steak. Or is that referring to the T-bone? I, I would refer that to T-Bone, Chris. The Tommy Hawk. Yeah, 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 I guess. It, because, yeah, yeah. when you're left with the meat gone, it does look a bit like a tomahawk. <laughs> Haven't had one for ages. Whoever that sent that text in, thank you for that. Keep them coming through as well. Parramatta fans, you just heard too from um, 60s, from the Cumberland uh, Cumberland Throw website, cumberlandthrow.com.au. Uh, he's a good fella and he calls it as it is. And he seemed to be okay with the, the roster. Yes, they are losing a few players the year after next, but comparatively speaking to other clubs, they're they're pretty stable, the Eels, for next year. So might be onto something there. Might be onto something. Um they had a, they've lost Blake Ferguson. Who else have they lost? I don't think they've lost Zai Papaliti. That's for no but that's for for next, next year I can't recall. I don't think they've lost many, if any, at all. For uh next year, Michael Jennings, but that he wasn't there this year. So they are pretty stable, aren't they, the Eels? But Eels fans, feel free to jump on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is uh that is the number if you do want to have a call. Um 
there was a text here before, and I still have not um, gone through what and, and done what I said I would do. And I try to be reliable, um, at least semi-reliable. If I say I'm going to do something, I like to try and get around to doing it. Um, but I haven't done it as yet. Answering uh, the text from uh, Dasher from uh, Matraville saying, Morning, gents, re the Tim Payne incident. Uh, here it is here. Why is it even being discussed if Cricket Australia investigated it and decided that there was no case to answer? And it was four years ago. Well, Dasher, let me just read this for you, mate. Um, and not just for you, for, for all of us, if you haven't read the Daily Telegraph, uh, the Sunday Telegraph today. This article is written by Sam Landsberger, and I, like you, Dasher, from Matraville, was asking, well, you know, if they looked at it, said no case to answer, why are we dredging it all back up again now? But when you dig a little bit further, you will understand that maybe uh, Cricket Australia didn't have all the information. Ah, just take a drink of water there, because I've been talking for a while. Some would say too much. Well, you can weigh in. Help fill the void. Yep. So this is an article written by Sam Landsberger. Sam, rather. So Cricket Australia's investigation three years ago exonerated Tim Payne in a sexting scandal without ever seeing all the text messages that led to his resignation as Australian Test Captain or interviewing the victim. Payne, 36, quit as Test Captain after it was revealed on Friday he had sent lewd text messages. Cricket Australia paid an external company to examine Payne's phone. It extracted all the data for, and searched for keywords and images. But nothing was found in that analysis from the November 2017 exchange with the woman who resigned from her job at Cricket Tasmania in 2018. CA, Cricket Australia, had access to sections of the texts which were supplied by Cricket Tasmania but not the entire exchange or the images that were sent by Payne. Payne was grilled by CA Integrity Chief Sean Carroll and legal counsel Christine Harmon in Brisbane before jetting to England to lead the Aussies in a five-match one-day series. The 36-year-old appointed an independent lawyer to attend to his integrity interviews and several of the Tasmanians' text messages were put to him by Carroll. He confessed to the allegations but said it was a text exchange between consenting adults. Unable to examine all of the phone evidence, investigators found no breach of the Code of Conduct. It can also be revealed that the former Cricket Tasmania employee at the centre of the allegations was not interviewed and cricket sources say she declined to cooperate with the investigation or provide evidence of these texts. Payne cooperated fully with the investigation and did not sugarcoat his involvement or deny that he had sent lewd content, which included a picture of his, you know what? He also chose to tell coach Justin Langer about the embarrassing incident. The exchange took place four months before Payne was parachuted in as test captain in the aftermath of Steve Smith's sacking during Sandpapergate. Cricket Australia thoroughly examined the incident but concluded the new skipper had not breached the sport's code of conduct. The findings were relayed to the Cricket Australian board, which chose not to take action. It was not Cricket Australia policy to release the findings of an investigation 
that had found no wrongdoing. Uh, and it goes on, and it goes on. And you will have heard yesterday, Cricket Australia, the chairman coming out and saying, look, um, if it happened now under the current guidance of this board and this current management, well, they'd take a different approach. And they were basically saying that he should have been probably sacked of the captaincy a few years ago when all this information came to light. So what that does, and I hope that sort of uh, sheds a little bit more light on it, Dasher, from Matraville, because I was asking the same thing. This was four years ago. Nothing to see here. So why are we dredging it all up? Well, I think now we are aware that there was more to it than just a, you know, a consenting exchange of, of private texts. But the governing body or the head body at the time, I don't think was aware of just uh, how much was involved out of that investigation. So whatever the case is now, it has come to light. For whatever reason, it has now resurfaced. And I, for one, don't think Tim Payne can possibly focus on his job at hand. And I don't think he should be included in the first Ashes test. I'm not saying banish Tim Payne altogether. No way in the world. In fact, he's off on the guy. I said yesterday, um, look, and regardless of what, he who hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. He's human after all. He's, he's done something stupid. He's made a mistake, right? And it's cost him big time. But let's not, um, let's not throw him out of the sport altogether. I just think that it might be a bit difficult for Tim Payne to concentrate wholly and solely of performing well in the first Ashes test as keeper, as batter number seven. I think we might need to look at other options. This is Sports Central on SEN. And it's coming up to 17 minutes past three o'clock on this uh, gorgeous Sunday afternoon in Sydney town. Uh, Gorgeous? No, it's anything but gorgeous. But I hope you're uh, taking it easy out there on the roads. I woke up this morning and as I do generally before I come in here on a Sunday, I, I go and just have a bit of a swim. Um, and get myself sort of ready for the day. It was pouring rain at the beach on the northern beaches and still the car park was jam-packed with cars. And I thought to myself, what on earth is going on here? Wouldn't these people rather be in bed and just cosy it up? Anyway, it was raining, it was strong, it was windy, it was bloody miserable it was. But then I noticed that there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. They kept walking past me. It was like one of those... You know, follow an ant sort of train. They just kept kept going and going and go. Look what's going on here. So I walked around the corner and I saw a couple of marquees set up. And this was obviously some official type charity walk. And I went from a swim. And after that, I made a couple of inquiries. And I said, what's going on here? Well, it turns out to be uh, a really good cause. And I don't know a lot about it. But I thought I'd get the, one of the men who is who is in charge of it um, on the phone. It's called the Bloody Long Walk. And this is a bloody long walk because these thousands of, of dear folk have walked uh, this morning. Some may still be walking, in fact, from Palm Beach all the way to Manly. In, as I say, in dreadful conditions. Now, what's it all about? Well, it's for the uh, the Mito Foundation, and this is aiming to raise funds and and help those people with what is called mitochondrial disease, or or Mito for short. Put your hand up if you're not quite sure what mitochondrial disease is. My hand goes straight up. And I hazard a guess many of our listeners out there are saying the same thing, not quite sure about it. Sean is from the Mito Foundation. He was out there in the driving rain early hours this morning, and he joins us on the line. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Yeah, really well. Still wet. 
and uh, <laughs> going strong. I bet you are. I bet you are. So, so tell me, uh, firstly, how many did we have doing that walk? Because as I was driving into work, I saw I saw hundreds and hundreds uh, trudging their way um, down Pittwater wo- Road on their way to, to Manly. How many were there? Well, we, we know we had about 3,500 people register. Not all of them showed up, that's for sure, but we had a great uh, a great showing considering the weather conditions. As you said, they were. Uh, it's a brutal day today. And I want to talk about uh, Mito in a moment, but these events that you guys organised, um, the bloody long walk, is it? The, yeah, is, yep. They are all over the country, yes? Yeah, that's right. We started this on the Northern Beaches. Our first very bloody long walk was uh, Palm Beach to Manly uh, nine years ago, back in 2013. And we've been back every year. And since then, we've expanded it from that one event in Sydney. And now we're all over Australia. We um, from the Brisbane, Gold Coast, uh, Newcastle, couple mm. in Sydney, Canberra, um, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth. We're all over the place. Well, let's talk about um, the Mito Foundation and, and what you guys try and do, mitochondrial disease. Firstly, tell me tell me more about that. Um, how many people are yeah. inflicted by this? Uh, what are What are the symptoms? What are the limitations for these people in life? Yeah, well, first up, your point around people putting their hand up, I would think pretty much everybody would have their hand up. Most people haven't heard of mitochondrial disease and our wish is that they never have to, really. Um, it's a nasty uh, genetic disease. It affects what's uh, it, it affects the mitochondria in our cells and the mitochondria are known as the little power plants of our cells. So their job is to convert the food that we eat into a form of energy the chemical energy that our cells use to sustain life. And so when that goes wrong, which is what happens in mito or mitochondrial disease, all sorts of things go wrong or the cells are compromised. And because you've got the mitochondria in every cell of your body, the symptoms it can cause are anything. So it's nasty. It's any symptom, mm. any organ, and it can occur at any age. And so it makes it hard to hard to pick, hard to diagnose, and there's certainly no treatment and no cure. Now, we know that there's one child born in Australia every week who will develop a life-threatening form of mitochondrial disease in their lifetime. Um, so mitochondrial disease progressive. It gets worse over time, and it can ultimately, and often is, fatal. How many people are affected by this? Yeah, so uh, as you said, one child born in Australia every week that will um, will develop a life-threatening form of, of mitochondrial disease. So that's about one in four and a half thousand people born. But what's perhaps more concerning is that we know that one in 200 people carry the genetic change that can cause the disease so they can develop it or they could pass it on to their children. Uh, and that, and that's, a, that's a major concern. So we know that not much is known about this and that's why we do these walks to raise funds and raise awareness to try to find some form of fund research and try to find some form of treatment and ideally a cure. And people who might be affected by mito, what what would some of the symptoms be? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. We, we while we say any symptom in any organ, if you think about the mitochondria being the little power plants, the parts of our body that consume the most energy. So our brain consumes a disproportionately large amount of energy. So often people will have neurological problems, developmental delays in childhood, seizures and so forth. It affects our large muscle groups, so problems with energy, uh, sorry, exercise tolerance. It'll affect your heart, your lungs, your eyes, your ears, your gut. Anything that's going all the time are going to be this, probably this is the body systems 
that start to show symptoms first. But um, yeah, it's a nasty one. And being genetic, it's often passed on from generation to generation. We know of families who have been impacted for multiple generations mm. and multiple family members who are impacted. So it's a, it's a terrible disease. So the, the the people that might be affected, they, they wouldn't be able to lead normal everyday lives like you and I? Uh, look, no, largely no. So uh, uh, many of them won't be won't be able to uh, won't be mobile, um, and depending on how far the disease has progressed, they might be non-verbal, non-communicative, um, and that, you know, that to up to the point where they can basically, you know, it, it can just rob every cell of their body the energy needed, and they they'll, they'll ultimately die from this this disease. I'm assuming your your a medical background, Sean. How did you get involved? Uh, I got involved in the Mito Foundation because I have family members. So my brother, um, he died when he was 45. My mother died from mitochondrial disease. So did my grandmother. I have other family members impacted by it. And um, and being the kind of disease it is in my family, it potentially will continue generation after generation until until something can be done to stop it. Now there is a bit of hope on that one actually mm. because. Hopefully this week in federal parliament, the government will be voting on a piece of legislation that will legalise an IVF technique that can prevent the transmission of mitochondrial disease from one generation to the next. Wow. So the uh, the decision, the legislation has been drafted. The decisions now we're now in the hands of our legislators and our regulators, and and uh, and hopefully they can get that voted on passed before Christmas, so that no more children need to be needlessly born with this horrible disease. Well, mate, well said. I didn't know uh, you had gone through that um, tragedy yourself with your, your family members. So um, my, 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 my thoughts are with you on that. Yeah. The, the people that are supporting this, I mean, where did they all come from? Where did they learn about the Mito Foundation? Where did they learn about the, uh, the bloody long walk? And are they everyday people like you and I? I mean, where did they all come from? Yeah, from all walks of life, absolutely. So most people involved in the walk today don't have a direct connection with mitochondrial disease, but there are many people involved. We had uh, uh, the number one bib wearer today. His name was Anthony, and he lost his daughter, Maria Rose, seven years ago. She, was, mm. she wasn't even one year old. Um, we had uh, Doug and Margie Lingard, who started the Mito Foundation. They were out there today with other family members. Mm. They've lost two children uh, to Mito, uh, one in childhood, one as an adult. Uh, but then the, the, the thousands of others really, no connection directly, but they're the kind of people who like an event, they like to get active and do, yeah. you know, have a physical challenge and they're happy to support a good cause. So we're grateful as the Australian Mito community to all those people who come from outside our Mito community and offer their support. Well, Sean, keep up the good work, mate. And, and I'm glad that I stopped and said g'day today in the driving <laughs> rain. It was bloody cold and awful, but I, I've learned something. Um, I'm sure our listeners have learned something as well. And if anyone wants to get involved or learn more about how to get involved, you can visit the website. It's called bloodylongwalk.com.au. Sean, thanks for joining us, mate. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to that hot bath tonight. I bet See you, you are. I bet you are. Me too. There he is, Sean. And I didn't even catch his surname because I, he was a total stranger uh, to me five or six hours ago. But I stopped and said hello and I, I wanted to know what uh, what motivated these hundreds and thousands of people to be walking on a day when they really would rather be uh, snuggled up on their couch watching the V8s or something else or even knitting um, or playing backgammon. Or, or binging on Netflix. Or, or binging. I thought you said another word there. Or binging. Yeah, binging on Netflix rather than walking. So there it is. A, 
Um, I'm glad I stopped and said g'day. And um, the bloody long walk, if you want to have a look, learn more about mitochondrial disease. So uh, they say you learn something new every day, and we certainly have. It's coming up to 27 past three. This is Sports Central on SEN. And coming up to 29 minutes to uh, four, we're in the home straight here, half an hour to go. Um, I tell you what, that was a great chat. I enjoyed, not a great chat, I really enjoyed talking uh, to, to Sean there of, of the bloody long walk. Um, enlightening stuff because I had never even heard about mitochondrial disease. In fact, mitochondria, I don't think I'd ever even spoken that word um, since perhaps um, year 10 or year 11 or 12. And I do remember mitochondria. I don't quite recall the the, the role that that played in in our body and our cells, but I do recall somewhere learning that in in biology or science. But um, to all those, again, to all those thousands of people that were out there in the driving rain this morning, well done you. Well done you. However you heard about mitochondrial disease and, and decided to get involved, um, you are to be applauded for, for getting off your backside, rolling out of bed and dragging yourself down to um, Palm Beach and, and walking all that way to Manly this morning in terrible uh, conditions. Terrible conditions in Sydney, as we know, and there has been no place. So stumps have been called at the SCG, day two of the Shield match between the Blues and the uh, the Bush Rangers. Three for 68, Victoria, but no play today. And I didn't expect there would be, and probably not tomorrow either. I'm not quite sure what the outlook is like. Uh, where else? Down there in uh, Hobart, Blunston Arena. It's day one of the Shield match down there. Tasmania Tigers playing WA, and uh, Tasmania won the toss. They elected to bowl, and WA are five for 154. Five for 154. What else we got? There's uh, Melbourne Stars are playing uh, Adelaide Strikers in the women's BBL. So the uh, Strikers uh, off 20 overs, three for 175. This is an Adelaide oval, by the way. Uh, Three for 175, the Strikers. So giving chase now, Melbourne Stars, uh, after three overs or a little bit more, three overs and two balls. They are none for 19, none for 19, chasing down 176 for victory. All right, um, during the week, um, I don't know if you heard um, through the week, but Paul Gallen was uh, speaking on our afternoons program. Uh, Julian King, I believe, was filling in for Jimmy Smith. Jimmy must have gone walkabout. Jimmy gone. Oh, holidays. No, he did the drive show. Oh, did he? He did the drive show on that day. Okay. So Jimmy slots in to drive. And anyway, Julian King was filling in for Jimmy. It's getting confusing, isn't it? But basically talking to Paul Gallon. I thought we'd listen back to that interview during the week. Thanks for that, mate. I'm happy to let Tim Zuby number one, believe me. <laughs> he's the number one at this point in time. And he was outstanding last night. He, he's just... Just pressure, just constant pressure, and uh, in the guy's face all the time. But the bloke wouldn't hit him, and yeah, it's pretty brutal, pretty brutal win. Uh, he paced himself, didn't he? He sort of just did enough, and then wound up at the end. Yeah, mate, he's just relentless. He's just he's constantly in the guy's face, but he's just uh, you know, smart enough to just be out of that range where he can't get hit or doesn't get hit with anything real big, and then he just unloads on the body and got him with some cracking uppercuts last night. He was a, he just he just controlled the pace of the fight and. Uh, he did it very, very well last night. And I've got to say, he did it quite comfortably, to be honest. He, he, at no stage 
was he ever under any threat. Um, he took a couple of shots, but that never hurt him. So he was just, uh, yeah, class above last night. Interesting to hear what he said, Gal, post-fight. He said, look, he needed to be a bit more prepared. He starts, he needs to start taking guys out. But having said that, that was the first time he went the full 12 rounds. So he's gone 36 minutes. You know, when you go the distance, how much does that improve you as a fighter? I give you confidence. Look, I hadn't fought a 10-round fight before until uh, the Australian title against uh, Horny not long ago, and I've gotten confidence and go 10 rounds all the time now. So, yeah, once you've done it once, you, you get that confidence and you can do it. And look, I've, I've been, I've never trained with Tim Zoo or seen him train, but I've been told he's absolutely relentless at his training and he's just the ultimate professional. So, I don't think he's ever going to have a problem with fitness. I think that's why he is so good because he's just constantly in the guy's face and he's so fit. He backs his fitness. So. I'd love to see him get his world title shot and uh, win a world title for Australia. And look, you'd love to take guys out. I mean, everyone wants to knock guys out. Everyone wants to do it. But at the end of the day, uh, it's about winning the fight, and that's what he did. So, what well done to him. You know, it reminds me, you just mentioned that, how everyone wants to knock guys out. But it reminds me of George Foreman, who basically destroyed anyone and everyone in front of him when he was a youngster and that he lost to Ali and Zaire and came back and then he, he beat Holyfield and... He said, even though he didn't knock him out, that was his best ever fight because he'd finally learned the craft of the ring. Yeah, that's right. Boxing is a, a special sport and, you know, to knock guys out is fantastic. It's what everyone wants to be able to do and be a tough guy. But yeah. uh, there is a real art to boxing and uh, yeah, you've got to get in there and there's times where you just look, at, it's hard to knock a guy out, to be honest with you. Everyone's very, very tough. He gets in there and obviously a lot of head movements. So it's not, not as easy as people think to catch someone and knock them out. Uh, so that's where you, the boxing comes into it. And as he said, the, there is an art to, the, to boxing. And once you learn it, it, it is a hard sport. But the, the more boxing I do, the, the crapper I know I am because you're just constantly learning all the time. And it's just it's uh, hard. It's a tough sport. Well, which brings me to Josh Aloye, gal. There's no love lost. Are you going to knock him out? I'm planning on it. I want to. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. There's no love lost. It's just... It's just so the build-up to it has just annoyed me a little bit. It's been sort of a, I'll be honest, it's been a couple of years in the making now that I've found out. So, yeah, we spoke after a game one day at Paris State and we spoke about having a sparring session together and uh, I spoke to someone who knows him pretty well and, and they basically told me, mate, just be very careful and he's a little bit cunning. And I think I've seen that in the build-up to this. So um, I don't think everyone wanted to spar me. He just wanted to see how he'd go if he did spar because he wanted to fight me. Well, here we are now. We're, we're going to fight. We're going to get it on on the 10th of December. And, um, you yeah, know, look, I'm, I'm determined, determined to win the fight, obviously. But just disappointed in the way it's happened. You know, fighting the two-minute rounds. But you know, I've got to get over it now and just concentrate on the preparation, what I can control, because it's not going to change. Okay, you've got the experience. Are the chips really all in his favour, as you say? Well, no, not all really. Look, I've got the experience as far as fights go. But, you know, if you listen to, to him... Yeah, this, this is why I'm so disappointed in fighting the two-minute rounds. He said himself, words come out of his mouth, that he's been boxing since he could walk. Uh, and he's the one who said himself, he, while I've had more fights, he's got more boxing experience than me. Uh, he said he's going to knock my shoulders, the head off my shoulders. He's called me an old man. So um, my, my attitude has been from the start, well, if you're so good, if you're such a good fighter, if you're so experienced, what, what are we fighting two-minute rounds for? Why are yeah. we doing it properly? That's sort of what I've been a bit disappointed with, but... He determined to fight the two-minute rounds, and uh, I think that's a reflection of him and his fitness level. Um, and when I watch him play rugby league, he doesn't get through much more than 15 or 20 minutes. So <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I think fitness is an issue for him. I've got no doubt. I, I think he's in the fast. I think he's pretty skillful. But um, I don't think he's got a good gas tank. So he's 14 years younger, nine centimetres taller, but, but the fitness, that's how you're going to beat him? 
Yeah, that's right. That's how, that's how I'm going to beat him. Yep. Um, yeah, without a doubt. So I um, well, no doubt my fitness level will be better will be better than his. But um, yeah, I've got to uh, yeah, I've just got to make sure I win the fight. Gal, okay, what's your takeaway from the Hoodie fight, and and what do you bring from that into this bout with Josh Aloyo? Uh, Oop. Yeah, yeah, we got you. We got you back, mate. Yes. Yeah, you back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, Huni. Huni's a. You know, he's another level of fighter, isn't he? I mean, you know, I, I don't think I can compare Josh Aloyo to to Justice Huni. He's um, he's an elite fighter. Justice. He's um, very very fast, very, very skillful. And if Josh Alloway is anywhere near that level, he should not be playing rugby league and he should be doing boxing. Um, that's that's what I think. Yeah. So I, I don't think I've got a lot. To, I don't think I've got a lot to worry about as far as uh, if Josh is going to be anywhere near the level of Honey. But look, I, I took away a lot of things from that fight. I've got to be better defensively. Now, there's no doubt I can take a shot. I think we know that I'm tough enough to take a shot and deliver a few back. But um, you, you definitely don't want to be taking as many shots as I took that fight against Justice Honey. If I can be a little bit better defensively, uh, I'll, I'll get the I'll get the job done. This is like the 1973 grand final gal between the Sharks and Manly. The only difference is Manly got the chocolates that day. That was thanks to to Bobby Fulton. After this fight, how many you got left in you, gal? Oh, I'm not too sure. I've got, I've got a three-fight contract with no limit, but, uh, mate, I don't know. I'm just taking that one at a time, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been lucky enough. I've built a great life for myself and my family, and it's probably going to be a time where I've got, I've got to start enjoying that life and enjoying what I'm doing. My missus doesn't really want me to fight too much anymore, so... I've got the pressure from her telling me to stop, and you know I've set myself up well. So I just, you know, I've just got to start enjoying life, and uh, I'll just evaluate what comes up after this. But you know, the only thing on my mind at the moment is Josh Alloway and getting the win on the 10th of December, and we'll see what comes after that. Sonny Bill, maybe. Well, look, I've said for 10 years, let's do it. Yeah. Um, it's not up to me; it's up to Sonny. Um, I, I think Sonny's. Waiting to the point where I do retire, and then, and then I can almost guarantee you and say, "Come on, let's do it now." Oh, then, when I when I've retired, so no, just, I'm telling you, that's what I've, I've said that for years. Yeah, yeah. Sunny will come out. Sunny will come out in the next eighteen months and say, "Okay, let's do it now." I Man, I've said that publicly, and I'll say it again now. I won't be fighting past forty-one years of age. No, I don't need to. No way. So um, you got to remember, Sunny's Sunny's thirty-six years of age. He's yeah. four years younger than me now. If you're 30 to 34, it's not a lot of difference. 34 to 38, not a lot of difference. But when you start turning 40, you know, things things start to slow down, and things you you just don't heal the way you used to when you when you get to 40. Oh, yeah, so I, know, I think I Sonny's waiting. For, yeah, I know. Well, there you go. Yeah. I think Sonny's waiting for me to get too old, and then uh, and then he'll say, "Let's do it," which you know everyone wants to see it. Hopefully, we can do it soon. Yeah, it might come down to a brawl in the. The Channel 9 car park during the footy season. Gal, got to run, mate. Great nah, to mate, chat. You don't get paid for that. Nah. Thanks, mate. See you after. See you, buddy. There he is, Paul Gallard. And there he is, too, Julian King, talking to uh, to Gal. Um, oh, Gal, can't he fight? Can't he fight? He's really turned himself into a, a real boxer who can throw them and now has got the the respect of the boxing fraternity as well as being a former great a uh, great player for Cronulla. Speaking with Julian King there, we're going to take a quick break and we'll bring back we'll come back and talk a bit more boxing because that Terence Crawford fight is well underway. This is Sports Central on SEN. Yes, it is. Uh, Chris Warren with you right up until four o'clock. So in the home straight, well and truly. As I said, there's a pretty big fight on at the moment uh, in Las Vegas. Terence Crawford, he's putting his WBO welterweight championship 
on the line. It's a big fight, this one, against two-time former welterweight champ Sean Porter. Um, the bout between these two uh, headlines a card from Mandalay Bay Arena. And uh, crossing now to, uh, well, uh, Mark Warren from uh, Rocked Podcast is on the line and uh, gives a little bit of an update. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. There's nothing like a big fight in Vegas, especially the Mandalay Bay in Vegas. I know it really well. Watched KT there on a number of occasions. And uh, it's certainly living up to its expectation as one of the pound-for-pound greats, Terence Crawford, faces his toughest contest as Sean Porter comes on the forward in round number three. I suppose you've got to be fairly careful with copyright right now. Porter, a two-time welterweight. This is this is definitely Crawford, Bud Crawford's biggest test at the weight, a three-weight divisional champion. And Porter has come to fight. It's lived up to the hype. And perhaps Porter takes round uh, number one. Uh, Crawford shades round two. And at this stage, uh, 30 seconds out in round three, perhaps uh, Porter steals round three. So, mm. mate, uh, a, a super fight coming out of Vegas. And the form line's here. All directions lead to a guy called Errol Spence Jr. Now, Crawford hasn't been there, but Porter has and lost a very hotly contested uh, split decision contest. So this is the biggest form line in Terence Crawford's career. I think we mentioned Kingsley's and the doll and uh, the Dollhouse, did we not? Uh, China Doll, rather. Uh, last time we spoke boxing, and uh, they'll both be able to afford that tonight. Uh, Crawford pocketing $8 million. Porter who is also a commentator with Showtime, gets a cool $4 million mm. for his dance under the bright lights in Vegas. You could do some of that. All right, buddy, I appreciate that. There he is, Mark Warren from The Rocked Podcast. This is Rocked. And bringing us up to speed with all the latest. Are you still there? Hey, by the way, I spoke to Billy Dibb earlier, and my goodness, he had yeah. a very, very big rap. There's a good article on Nikita Zoo, Tim's younger brother in today's uh, Herald, I believe. He had a very big rap on Nikita. Yeah, massive rap. And we've known about Nikita for so long. He's a junior amateur star. A southpaw, by the way. Ironic, mm. because Kostya dined out on southpaws on left-handers. He had some chronic injuries. And then I was talking to Natasha and Natalia, uh, who said, no, Mark, he doesn't want to know about it. But so Tim was saying the same only three or four or five years ago. Um, and That's now the mum, is it? Put... Yeah, mm. Tash. And, and then so Nikita went away from the sport, didn't want to know of the sport thought he could wash it from his system, uh, did his architecture degree, mm. um, very much business-minded like Tim, and now it's ready to, to push the go button. Now, what, what is, what has got me a little bit miffed, they're both fighting at Super Welter, junior middle. Hello. They're both in that division. So I'm just saying, um, I, the, mm. the, well, the world is oyster for Nikita, and we know how much we think of Tim. Trust me, this kid is absolute dynamite, Nikita Zoo. We know what happens when brothers start throwing punches. You're not suggesting... Oh, shivers. Shivers regal. You're not suggesting shivers. these two will maybe one day end up... No, but they're in the same weight division. Well, well, they may. This is boxing. This is boxing. Yeah, show oh. me the... All right, show me, show the, money. me the money. Show me the show money. Show me the money, All Jerry. Right. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Okay. There he is, uh, Mark Warren. Where, where's he from again? What's that, 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 that podcast? This is Rocked. Yes, I do like that. I do like that. All right, there he is, Mark Warren. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
brother, he is. Same surname. Same surname too. Now, uh, enough boxing. But back one that Brock Jarvis. So um, that chap before that sent the text in, we didn't mention Brock Jarvis in terms of the boxing and up-and-coming Aussies. Well, well we have spoken to, to Jeff Finnick a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're right behind Brock Jarvis. So he is on that um, George Cambosis Jr. fight card, which yeah. is in seven days' Day time. Next week, yes. And he is fighting whom? Oh, I'll just try to get that surname. Oh, sorry, brother. I've thrown you under That's a bus That's Felix Rodriguez. While you're, just double check while you're doing that, um, the tool man's been back in touch via text. Uh, he says, great show as always, Wah. That's my nickname, by the way, JP, if you didn't know that, that they call me Wah. Um he says you've got a bit of a dribble, dribble and a little bit of sport thrown in with the dribble. I think we've been more sport than dribble. Isn't it sport with a little bit of dribble thrown in? Or I, like, the other I, like way that, I like that combination. I like the combo too. And, and, and you know what, Tool, if you don't like it, well, go somewhere else. Turn on another, another station if you want. But he does say there, no, and uh, well done. And he says The Apprentice did well too. That's you. Pre- I appreciate that, man. Yes, yeah, that's Tooley. He's a fan of you. The Apprentice is calling you. As they say, God, as I've learned in my mm. lifetime, you start on yep. the bottom and you rise yep. right to the top. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you, apprentice, like good cream, you rise rise to the top. We can all aspire to get there one day. Uh, he says also, enjoy your shandies, Wah. Tuli, you enjoy your Bundys. You're probably um, into your seventh or eighth. And again, I will point out to you, I, I don't drink shandies. I, I drink a lager top. And if you are ever going to buy me one, Tooley, uh, I want the little bit of lemonade, but even though it's a lager top, I want to put it in the bottom. Got to put it in the bottom of my schooner glass because you put it in the top, it doesn't end well. It's like one of those sort of ice creams and you put a flake in it. Broncos fear Sonny Bill Williams' Haas Bond. So this is an article written by Peter Bedell in the uh, Courier Mail, but also the News Limited Papers, so it's in the Daily Telegraph as well. Brisbane bosses have issued a hands-off edict to the Sydney Roosters amid fears that superstar prop Payne Haas is considering one day quitting the Broncos to join the Bondi Glamour Club. Well, they all end up there, don't they? The the big guns eventually. Uncle Nick wants to get the best there. And we know that Brandon Smith is also perhaps considering that as one of his options. Broncos football operations boss Ben Eichen has pledged to deliver a world-class program at Red Hill to ensure that front row sensation Haas uh, does not walk out on the Brisbane club to chase premierships at the Roosters. And I'm just wondering when the next premiership might be at Brisbane. You would have, you would think that the Roosters might be closer to a premiership before the Broncos, or maybe, maybe the Roosters' premiership window has sort of closed a little bit. Nah. No, I don't think so. Haas is uh, contracted to the Broncos until the end of 2024, and Brisbane's board has approved a revised six-year offer in a bid to keep the three-time Paul Morgan uh, medalist at Red Hill until 2027. That's a long contract, isn't it? So that... um, Paul Morgan medalist, that's the, the, the player of the year at the Bronx. Uh, but Haas has uh, yet to ink the extension with reports suggesting the New South Wales Origin Enforcer is holding off signing until uh, at a time when he has formed a close bond with Roosters legend Sonny Bill Williams. So the Roosters are sending Sonny Bill into bat. There's a bit of a go-between, we, the way I'm reading this. When Haas converted to Islam, he sought the Council of Williams who uh, helped the Roosters to the 2013 Premiership. The Roosters have uh, plundered Brisbane's junior ranks in recent years, poaching halfback whiz kid Sam Walker. 
Yeah, they did. Um, well, they didn't really poach Walker. He wanted to go there because the Broncos had first crack at Walker and they stuffed it up, basically. Um, so there you go. The uh, the Broncos are a little bit wary of um, Payne Haas maybe heading to the Roosters to join Uncle Nick, Politis and the crew. You might have your thoughts on that. You can't share your thoughts with me, sadly, because I'm going to Bundy off for the day. Uh, to all of you who have uh, been in uh, involved with the program, either as an invited guest or your listeners as well who have sent those text messages through, uh, it's certainly kept us entertained and it's made the program a whole lot more interesting. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. I'll be back on higher ground from 9 till midnight, midnight tomorrow. Until then, take care. Keep smiling.